Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on The Basement Podcast. I am your host of the Logan Blackman Show, Logan Blackman, and it is a beautiful, beautiful day here in Urbandale, Iowa. I hope you all are going to enjoy or are currently enjoying whatever time you're listening to this podcast, enjoying the outside weather today because right now in Urbandale, 61 degrees, mostly sunny. Man, high of 73. It's just it's just a beautiful day today. Couldn't ask for a much better day, to be honest. Then tomorrow, then we're going to start getting in the rain again around 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. So expect thunderstorms all day. Tomorrow, there's a 10% chance of rain today. Wind coming to the north at 10 miles an hour. Air quality is good, and it feels like 57 degrees. But if you look outside your window right now at 9.18 in the morning here on this May 15th edition of the Logan Blackman Show... It is gorgeous. There's it's just sunny. There's not a lot of clouds out there. It just looks extremely nice out today. A complete different thing than what happened last night. Or not really last night, but late later yesterday, <laughs> I guess. Around 4.30, torrential downpours took place for about an hour. And it was... It was cold. <laughs> the rain was very cold. I was outside working with the Heartland boys. We were out at um, Coles out in Valley West on Mill Civic. And rain was coming. We knew rain was coming all day. And we just didn't know when it would come. And it looked like it was just going to keep... It kept moving back. Like there was no set time. Every time it looked like, oh, it's going to start raining at this time. Then the rain on the radar would be pushed back. And then you look at the radar and there's like a little tiny speck on Des Moines around like 4.30 or something like that. You're like, ah, okay. Well, we're not really going to get a lot of rain today. Oh my goodness, was I wrong. 4.30, in Heartland Outdoors, we do a lot of property management, lawn care type stuff. So we're out trimming trees, cutting bushes, picking up garbage and stuff like that around the coals. And then as we're getting close to being done... You start hearing the thunder. And it was thundering without doing anything for about 20 minutes, it felt like. It was just constant thunder. Never knew when it was coming, but <laughs> there was thunder there. And the clouds were really dark. And we looked down and go like, ooh, it's going to be bad here in a little bit. But every time you look back at the radar again, it just kept pushing it back. So you never really knew. And, <laughs> man, we had to take shelter in our enclosed trailer for about... 20 minutes because one our other trailer was getting dumped and it was full of tree branches and all that stuff so it was full already so we couldn't really do anything with it and yeah it's not the shop where we dump that stuff at is not very close to the coals on mill civic i mean it's closer than the target in urbandale but it's not very close it's not very close to anything really on the south side and when it's raining, it makes it even harder to see and harder to drive, especially with a trailer in there. So we had to take shelter in that enclosed trailer until our other trailer got back so we could dump all the other stuff into that trailer and leave. So as we're leaving, I'm on the interstate, as you do, trying to go back home. And I could not, I could barely see two inches in front of me. It rained hard for about, I don't know, it felt like, five minutes on the when I was on the highway 
and then it just stopped. <laughs> Once I got past the Hickman exit, then it just stopped raining. I was confused. I was like, we were just, I can see a foot in front of me. And now I'm, now I can see, and now I can go back up to normal speeds. Oh my goodness. Yesterday was, it was hard, it was hard driving <laughs> to say the least. It was very hard driving in those conditions last night, but we're alive. We made it. And now today it's just a good, it's just a perfect day outside. Go outside and enjoy the weather, but this isn't live. So if the, once this goes out, the weather will probably already be done. And you're probably going to be listening to this on like a Saturday or something. So Saturday, not going to be great weather, but you know what? We keep moving forward because that's what we do as Iowans and Midwesterners in general. We just keep on keeping on. And that's exactly what we're going to do here today on the Logan Blackman Show. And for a show today, we got a good show planned for you today. We've got Friday Fun Day as we do. The state of Iowa is reopening today. So if you're not outside enjoying the weather, go enjoy some things that you couldn't do for the past two months. Just go out and enjoy yourself. And if you're one of those people complaining about, oh, we, why are we reopening? We should all be locked down. And just stay inside. It ain't affecting you. Just stay inside. Oh, you don't need to leave. No one's forcing you to go out and leave. You can stay inside all you want. But I'm going to go outside and enjoy myself a little bit. I need a haircut today. My hair is not looking the best it's looked in a while. It's very long, and I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm so happy that everything's starting to open up. So we, now we can some, get closer to normality. And as we get closer to normality, we got the Bundesliga starting tomorrow. The German Soccer League, for those of you who didn't know. That's starting up tomorrow. So we're starting to get some live sports back. Oh, the Bundesliga viewership ratings are going to be through the roof tomorrow and Sunday. We got There's going to be a lot of good games tomorrow and Sunday in the Bundesliga. Hopefully all the other leagues do the same. We haven't heard any official date for the NBA or Premier League yet. MLB has had a target date of July, but is is that going to happen? Some players like Blake Snell have threatened to sit out due to the the pay cuts. Bryce Harper second that notion, agreeing with Blake Snell. Somebody had to say it. So yeah, we're getting back closer to normality in one sport that we haven't heard anything about, but it looks like it's not going to be affected by this as far as starting on time is the NFL. Now there have been rumors of them going to be, they're going to be pumping in fake crowd noise, which is going to be Something that the Dallas Cowboys will just, they're just natural at doing anyways. I remember we were down there in Dallas for the Thanksgiving game between the Bills and Cowboys. Goodness gracious. (laughs) We were right next to a speaker. You could hear the crowd noise from the speaker. Like, oh, great. Thanks for, man, I know your fans aren't very loud because those are some of the most mild fans I've ever seen in my entire life. They have a little thing on the Jumbotron every single down trying to get the crowd to hype up the defense because the crowd don't do anything in Dallas. 100,000 people, you'd think they'd be able to get out, get loud for their team at least one time, but no, need to encourage them all the time to do that. So we'll be looking out for some fake crowd noise and if fans will be even be allowed in stadiums and see if they do uh, the mannequin things like some of the Michelin star restaurants are doing. Like so I saw this yesterday. Some Michelin star restaurants, for those of you who don't know, those are very, very good restaurants, are putting mannequins to fill up 50% of their capacity so the restaurants don't feel as empty as they would be if this stuff doesn't go on. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. 
But go out and enjoy yourself today in the state of Iowa, and hopefully this is a sign of things coming back to normal. One thing that was not normal that I saw yesterday was the Russell Wilson trade rumor to Cleveland in 2018. We'll talk about that in a little bit, and I also got a fun little thing that I'm going to start today. Five dumbest things this organization ever did. We're going to do this every Friday. Friday's not going to be like a normal show. We got the Friday Fun Day tier list thing. We're going to do the five dumbest things each organization did this week dedicated to the Browns. Now, there's no official word if that was an actual trade or if it's just coming out of nowhere. Like, you never really know what's... Like, you could, It's just coming out of nowhere, pretty much. Like, it just popped up. And now there's also rumors going around that Russell Wilson could be traded regardless, at some point, which would be a crime... For the Seahawks fans and Russell Wilson, because he's the only thing that's been keeping that organization relevant ever since they won the Super Bowl or lost the Super Bowl to the New England Patriots. In his time as a starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, he's never had a losing season. Without him, they would be a sub 500 team every single year. I would guess around six wins every single year. Now they are starting to get better. They are starting to actually put pieces around Russell Wilson, but he's a Seahawk for life, in my opinion. I can't see him playing anywhere else. Especially with the stuff he's done in the community in Seattle. I can't see him playing anywhere else, to be honest. I've heard rumors of the Raiders being a possible target. I could see him going to New England. Uh, very good leader. Stuff that the Patriots really like. And a winner, which is something the Patriots really, really like. Um, maybe he goes to the Browns, like the trade rumor says, but not for the number one overall pick. See if Baker Mayfield pans out. And yeah, so that's what we got planned today. I also got uniforms, the Rams uniforms. I had a, a another day or two to fully grasp the LA Rams new uniforms. And I've got a, a, another opinion on that because when that when that got released, it just sprung on me out of nowhere. I didn't know how to <laughs> react to it. I was like, oh, um, okay. I didn't have time to, to, adapt, uh, to adjust to it yet, I guess, if that makes any sense. So we'll talk about those uniforms and also rank all the uniforms in the NFL. And yeah, so we got a fun one for you today. Very fun one. So as we said, the Bundesliga is starting up this weekend. We got action all over the place this weekend in the Bundesliga. We got Borussia Dortmund versus Schalke starting off with a big time rivalry. One of the biggest rivalries in German soccer, Schalke and Borussia Dortmund. It's going to be a fun one. Very, very fun one. West McKinney, United States versus Gino, Gio Reyna, United States for Borussia Dortmund. Gino Reyna, probably not going to play that much. He's a young guy. Got Hazard, Sancho, Holland, Royce to get past in the starting lineup. So it's going to it's gonna be hard to get into that starting lineup regardless. But that will be a very fun game. Royce is not scheduled to play in this game, though. But you will see the likes of Jaden Sancho and Erling brought Holland for Dortmund. I would expect Dortmund to come away victors in this game, but you never know since we've been out for a very long time. RB Leipzig's taking on Freiburg. Hoffenheim is taking on Hertha Berlin. Frucha, Fortuna Dusseldorf is taking on Paderborn. Augsburg taking on Wolfsburg. And Eintracht Frankfurt taking on Borussia Mönchengladbach. So we got some fun games taking place for you. In the Bundesliga. That's Saturday's games. And then we move on to Sunday. We got Köln 
versus Mainz and Union Berlin versus Bayern Munchen, Bayern Munich. So we got some very fun games for you in the Bundesliga this weekend. Should be a lot of fun this week just to get some live sports back. And we look at the Bundesliga standings right now. We got Bayern Munich sitting at the top with 55 points, 47 goal differential for Munchen this year. Borussia Dortmund sits in second with 51. RB Leipzig sits third with 50. And Borussia Mönchengladbach takes the last Champions League spot with 49 points to their name. Bayer Leverkusen has 47 points this season sitting in fifth. And Schalke has 37 sitting in sixth. But they got Wolfsburg and Freiburg right behind them at 36. And Hoffenheim just behind them at 35. Currently sitting in the uh, the relegation zone for the Bundesliga. Paderborn and Werder Bremen are sitting at the bottom. Paderborn with 16 points. Werder Bremen with 18. And Fortuna Dusseldorf sitting there with 22 points in the relegation playoff zone. And the Bundesliga is a little different than other leagues around the world. They have that relegation playoff. So the la- the the team that comes third to last in the league plays the team that finishes third in the second division. And they'll play each other. And whoever wins gets to stay up in the Bundesliga or move up to the Bundesliga, however you want to look at it. And yeah, it's an interesting thing. They don't just go straight down. Like in the Premier League, you got the three worst teams just go straight down. Uh, the top two teams in the championship are guaranteed a spot up. And then you've got the championship playoffs, which takes place between three, four, five, and six. And those teams battle it out at Wembley Stadium. And the winner of the championship playoffs goes up to the Premier League. Aston Villa won the championship playoffs last year. Uh, it looks like they're going to be battling in that again because they're, they haven't had a good season. A lot of people, including myself, expected them to be a little bit better. Made some signings that looked to be really good on paper, some decent signings on paper, and they're just looking to go straight back down to the championship. But Jack Grealish will not be joining them. Where he'll go, it looks like Manchester United, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Stewart, I would love, I would love Jack Grealish to join Manchester United. He's got a little some off-the-field issues, but you know what? He's a talented player, captain. He it doesn't matter. I don't care what he does off the pitch if it's not a distraction what he does on the pitch. And so far, throughout his career, it really hasn't been. So I'll take him right now for Manchester United. We need him. They need him. So with that being said, with the Bundesliga starting up tomorrow, for Friday Fun Day, I thought it'd be fun to do a tier list on the best football players 2010 to 2020 tier list maker. Now, by football players, this is, of course, soccer players. We got 50 players below, and this is through their entire time between this decade. It's not like Alexis Sanchez goes 41 to 50 because he sucked the last three years. No, that's not what we're doing here. We're going to look at the entirety of the decade. And as of right now, looking at this list, you got some great players in here. You got the likes of Gareth Bale, Danny Alves, Robert Lewandowski. Rafael Varane, Marco Royce, Kylian Mbappe, Messi. You got all the greatest players in the world right now. And let's get this underway. So obviously number one is Lionel Messi. The greatest player of all time. Goes as the number one spot in the list. Now I got to find number two. And I think you obviously know who number two is. I just got to find him. Is he even on this list? Huh. I am not... I'm not seeing him. Oh, there. He's in a Portugal jersey. Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, goes up in that list. You could also throw in the likes of Neymar, 
in that one. Kylian Mbappe has to go in the 1 through 10 category. Antoine Griezmann being the spearhead for the French attack when they won the World Cup in 2018. Those are the top five. I don't really think those are going to be switched up anytime soon. Luka Modric has to go up there as well. Ballon d'Or winner ended the streak of Ballon d'Ors between Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. First one since neither one of them won it since Kaka won it in, I believe, 2008. So it was a long time since anyone else other than Messi or Ronaldo won the Ballon d'Or. And as we look through the rest of the list, we got some great players on this list. Like, you got... You got some fantastic players on this list. Now, who do we want to add along those guys? I don't think those guys can get moved off. Those guys, in my opinion, are clearly the, oh, Virgil van Dijk. Yes, he goes up in the 1 through 10 category. Even when even before he was at Liverpool, he was a dominant center back for Southampton for a few years. Like Sadio Mane and like uh, Ricky Lambert and like, um, who else do we got? Adam Lallana, just keep going on and on about Southampton players in Liverpool go on to play for Liverpool other than Ricky Lambert have had greater success at Liverpool especially Virgil van Dijk he's been a captain for Liverpool vice captain obviously to uh James Milner but or a top geez to Jordan Henderson my bad and has won a Champions League finished second in the Ballon d'Or voting behind Lionel Messi last year he has to go in the top 10 players of the decade so right now in our top 10, Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, Mbappe, Griezmann, Modric, and Virgil van Dijk. Who else can we throw up at that top tier of the list? I think you got to throw Robert Lewandowski up to the top tier. One of the best strikers in the world. Just keeps getting better with age, it feels like. He doesn't, sign, he doesn't show any signs of slowing down, really. He's just been dominant for so many years now. It's kind of just crazy to think about and then other also we have on this list who are we going to throw up there with those guys Eden Hazard's been extremely dominant through his oh Mo Salah Mohamed Salah has to get thrown up in one of the top 10 players in the world right now and it pains me to throw two Liverpool players up there but Mohamed Salah was the spearhead of Liverpool's starting to resurge as a power in Europe going to the Champions League final when he got taken out of the Champions League final Liverpool's chances of winning that final against Real Madrid were done. He was out within the first 10 minutes, I think, or 20 minutes of the game. It, their shots were done. He's an integral part to Liverpool's success and is one of the best players in the world. So there's nine players in that top 10 spot. Who will we throw as that 10th player on this list? I kind of want to throw in a goalkeeper, but I don't know which goalkeeper I would throw up on there. Because you got likes of Courtois, you got uh, Iker Casillas, but he was better at the early part of the decade, kind of slow, slowed down a lot and rapidly towards the end of the decade. Jan Oblak, arguably the best goaltender in the world right now. Him or Allison or uh, Ederson for Man City. You got Andre Ter Stegen right there. Mark andre Ter Stegen right there as well. Geez, there's so many good players on here. It gets harder once you get past the top nine, and then you look at the rest of the list like, man, how do we even how do we rank the rest of these guys? We put Luis Suarez up there. You put Eden Hazard up there. Sergio Ramos. Marco Royce. Like, there's so many. Who do we even put up here? Kevin De Bruyne. Oh, God. 
wow, this is a very hard one. I thought the, the top nine are easy. Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, Mbappe, Griezmann, Modric, Van Dyke, Lewandowski, and Mohamed Salah. Now we are getting into some very, very tough parts of this list. And I'm going to leave someone out, and it's going to upset me because they probably don't deserve to get left off this time. I'm thinking about putting Varane or Ramos, but I might put in Jan Oblak as well. Should we just go to 49 or 50? <laughs> um, or 41 to 50? Uh, David Villa and Carlos Puyol, they have to go in the 41 to 50, right? Because they weren't as dominant in the later parts of the decade as of the early parts of the decade. Like, they were, they're legends. But David Villa spent the last part of his career at New York City FC for the better part of the decade at New York City FC. Also playing for Atletico Madrid. Didn't really have the same goal, same goal scoring prowess as he did at Valencia before making the switch to Barcelona. I think we can also throw Iker Casillas in there as well. Just a lot of Spanish players. Spain has had some fantastic players throughout the years. And those three are a big reason for their success. Carlos Puyo was a captain for Barcelona. David Villa is the all-time leading scorer for Spain. And Iker Casillas was the World Cup winning captain when they got the World Cup in 2010. Also got the Euros in 20, 2008 and 2012. So those early part of the decades, Spain was untouchable. Untouchable with Spain. I think, okay, now let's just move on to 11-12. I think Zlatan goes in 11-12 easily. I think Jan Oblak goes in 11 to 12. I think Rafael Varane could go there. I think Tony Cruz goes there as well. Um, Kevin De Bruyne goes there, has to go there. Thibaut Courtois can go there. Mark Andre Terstegen, who is, I'm, I still, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I get. Manuel Neuer said he was going to retire if he didn't start him in the World Cup, but or Bayern Munich said they wouldn't send any Bayern players to the World Cup for Germany. Mark Andre Terstegen, as of right now, is a better goaltender than Manuel Neuer. But Manuel Neuer was the captain and legend of those teams, so he got the start over Mark Andre Terstegen. Sadly, for him, but Manuel Neuer in the early parts of the decade was the best goaltender in the world. I think I'm going to throw him in that top, top category with the... Because for a time being, he was undoubtedly the best goaltender in the world. He won the World Cup with Germany back in 2014. He's had great success throughout his career. He's been battling injuries as of late, but for a, a time, he was the best goaltender in the world. So, so far in my 11 to 12 range, or 11-20 range, I got Zlatan, Jan Oblak, Rafael Varad, Tony Cruz, Kevin De Bruyne, Thibaut Courtois, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, Sergio Ramos, and Sergio Aguero. So we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One more player to throw in this category. Who do we want to throw in here? We've got a lot of great... Eden Hazard. For what he did at Chelsea... Uh, Chelsea legend. He had that one off year when Chelsea was terrible. I think he scored five goals in the season. But other than that, if he wanted to, he was the best player in the Premier League. 
if he really wanted it, he was the best player in the Premiership. And now he's at Real Madrid. Not struggling to find success so far, but that's what happens when you take on Cristiano Ronaldo's number seven jersey immediately after he leaves. It's hard to follow up. It's hard to follow up. But those are top 20 players of the decade. Not in any order, really. We, we might order them once this list is done and dusted, but 2010 to 2020, it's hard to range this. But 21 to 30, Gareth Bale has to go on there. Record-breaking signing from Tottenham Hotspur to Real Madrid. Absolute dominant player for Tottenham in the early parts of his time at Real Madrid. Um, See, some of these players retired in the early parts of the early part of the decade, like Philip Lom retired in 2014. So he only played four years in the decade. Wayne Rooney, his best years were partially in this decade, but in the early part of the decade, I think we got to throw Sergio Busquets. That's Xavi. Uh, where's Sergio Busquets? Sergio Busquets goes up there as well. To, wait a minute. Okay, never mind. I thought I thought I threw somebody up there, and I was like, "Wait a minute, there, this guy's better than that guy." Um, who else do we got on here? Pierre Emerick Aubameyang has to go up there in the twenty-one to thirty range. Dominant player in, in the decade so far, and still is keep going. He never shows signs of slowing. He's gotten better as time has gone on, and he's gotten up to a better league in the Premier League, and has still had an insane goal scoring rate. Is now the captain for Arsenal. So it's crazy to think about. I gotta throw Philip Lahm in forty-one to fifty. Just because he only played four years in the decade. He retired in 2014 right after the World Cup. I can't really put him higher than some of the other players on this list. Because there's some legendary players on this list. Some legendary players here. I got to put Jordi Alba up at the 21 to 30 range. He's been one of the best left backs in the world. Same with Marcelo. Those two have been the two best left backs in the world. Best attacking left backs in the world football for many many years now Marcelo uh better defender than Jordi Alba but they're about the same attacking wise and they're both very very good players I think we got to throw Diego Godin up there in the 21 to 30 range just because of what he did getting Atletico Madrid to the Champions League final and pressing against Real Madrid two Champions League finals I should say winning the league and being a legendary player for them now at Inter Milan, but legendary player for Atletico Madrid in his time there. Ian Robin, he has to go up there as well. And same with keeping it. Oh, geez, there's so many good players. I feel bad for leaving them out. Uh, Luis Suarez has to go up there as well. So now we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We need two more players in this level. Oh, God. I feel so bad. If I leave anybody out, I'm going to feel very, very bad because <laughs> there's so many good players. Uh, David Silva has to go up in the 21 to 30 range. He's on the uh, twilight of his career now, but for that time, he was the best player for Manchester City. Manchester City legend. He's arguably their greatest player in their team's history. David Silva is an absolute dominant player for them and is just... He's the greatest player in Manchester City history. There's no just there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He is. So you look at the other likes of Sergio Aguero there as well. Yaya Toure. Um, Vincent Company. Joe Hart can get thrown in there. Richard Dunn for the early Man City days. But David Silva was there from 
Him, Sergio Aguero were there from the start. So you could probably say him or Sergio Aguero. And Sergio Aguero is still kicking it. He's still performing at a very, very high level for Manchester City. They literally brought in Gabriel Jesus to replace him. And dude said, nah, I'm still the number one striker for this team. And hasn't given up the spot. Hasn't showed any signs of really slowing down for Manchester City. David Silva has been slowly getting forced out of the just because he's getting older he's older and slower but he still finds a way to get in that team week in and week out pretty much other players we could throw in this list jeez let me just read the players that we have left alexis sanchez donny alves kareem benzema casemiro cesc fabregas angel di maria andre iniesta gerard Piquet, paul pogba ivan rakitic marco royce frank ribery yaya toure arturo vidal wayne rooney jabby alonso and chavi this is an unfair list. <laughs> I don't like that this list is a thing because it's making me rank players against other players, but they're just so... Because some players haven't been playing for as long. Like, if you look at the likes of Andres Iniesta, who is one of the greatest midfielders of all time. Him and Xavi, two of the greatest midfielders of all time. Andres Iniesta, I guess you could still put him in there. He retired from Spain in 2018. I got to put Andres Iniesta up at the 21 to 30 range he won the world cup for spain against the netherlands in 20 2012 or 2010 and was a constant figure in barcelona's teams for all those years that he was there for barcelona now he got the likes of xavi who like andres iniesta was a constant figure in barcelona's teams for all of those years and he left barcelona in 2015 and retired from spain in 2016 or 2014 to retire from catalonia in 2016 and in his t- last few years at barca was he the same pl- ah, this is this is so hard <laughs> i don't want to leave players out because there's so many great players but you got to look at how long they've been playing the decade and how long they've done things i got oh my god i gotta throw chavi in the 31 to 40 range just because of he's just a legendary player um donny alves as well donny alves was at juventus was at psg now he's back in brazil most notably he played for barcelona which is the team he's most known for but oh my god this is such a difficult thing to do so difficult to do because if you look at players like oh he's not worse than this player no he's not but for this list's sake you gotta throw him a little bit lower i think alexis sanchez oh my goodness there's so many good players here yaya toure uh franck ribery uh marco royce those five right now 31 to 40 range um angle di maria goes 41 50 i don't care uh, oh crap this is so hard i don't know how many times i'm gonna say that kareem benzema has to go up in the 31 to 40 range he's been a constant figure in real madrid's team and scores lots and lots of goals when he's healthy which is key he might have gotten frozen out of the french national team but he's a real madrid legend and was the third wheel of bbc of christian bale or christian bale cristiano ronaldo gareth bale and kareem benzema he might have been the third wheel but he was a great one at that i got throw cesc fabregas up in the 31 to 40 range for the decade 
he was he's almost set a record for assists while playing for Chelsea, winning the league. He did get relegated to a bench role when he moved over to Barcelona in 2011, but he left as Arsenal captain in 2011. Was played for Chelsea, had some great years for Chelsea in the heart of their midfield next to Nemanja Matic. Just had some great success. Had great success at Barcelona. Had he was just a really really good player, very underrated player, I should say. Moving on 31 to 40, Alexis Sanchez for what he's done throughout the decade, he has to get thrown up in this list. He just has to. You look at what Alexis Sanchez did at Arsenal. Let's not look at just what he did at Manchester United, what he's currently doing at Inter Milan. Let's not look at it like that. No, 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 no. Don't do that. That's mean to Alexis Sanchez. He was a great player for the likes of Arsenal and Barcelona. Oh, jeez. He was a fantastic player. He was Arsenal's only player for forever. Like 2014 to 2018, in that time, he scored 16, 13, and 24 goals. Scored 30 goals in 2016, 17 in total. And then went to uh, Manchester United and just sucked. But he scored 15, 11, 21 goals in his time at Barcelona. In his time at Barcelona and uh, Arsenal, he scored a grand total of 127 goals, if I'm adding that right. That's very impressive stuff. Now we're just going to look at what he did now, and that's not really fair to him. Is it? No. Now we got. Now we're getting the close. Now we're getting actual legends, but this is where it gets tougher. This is where it gets tough. Now we got Xabi Alonso, who retired in 2017, had great success with Real Madrid in Spain, retired from Spain in 2014 after the debacle in the 2014 World Cup. Didn't play for Real Madrid at all in 2014-15. Played for Bayern Munich. Still had some success at Bayern Munich. You have Ivan Rakitic there as well, who's been a great player for uh, Barcelona. Also Croatia helping them get them to the World Cup final. As a nice little one-two punch between him and Luka Modric. And his time at Barcelona, he's been a fantastic player. He's been slowing down as of late. You got Arturo Vidal. You got Paul Pogba, Gerard Piquet. Gerard Piquet has to go up in that list. He has to go up in the 31 to 40 range. So now we got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Jeez, now I'm going to leave some great players off this list, and I feel so bad for doing it. I'm going to put Pogba. Oh, what the heck? What am I doing? Who am I going to throw up here? This is the difficult part of being a sports personality because you got to get it right. If you don't get a list right, you're viewed extremely negatively. Now Paul Papa won a World Cup, set a world record transfer fee. So I think you got to put him. His time at Manchester United has been weird. But last year, had a career high in goals in 16. But most of those were penalties. But he did have a great year for Manchester United in 2018-19. His best year to date for Manchester United. And he had a lot of success at Juventus and was named to the FIFA Pro World Eleven when his early days at Juventus. He was a great player. It still is a great player. I feel bad for putting all these guys on the lower list because I love Wayne Rooney. He is one of my favorite players of all time, but I feel like I have to because towards the latter part of the decade, 
Wayne Rooney has not been the same Wayne Rooney. You look at the early part of the decade, Wayne Rooney dominated. Scored 27 goals in 2011-12. Scored 26 goals in 2009-2010. 34 goals in total for both those seasons. But since those seasons, he scored 16, 19, 14, 15, and 8. Now, he was the captain of Manchester United for that time being. But, oh, it's so hard to rate these guys. Because you look at, like, Carlos Puyol is not worse than Gerard Piquet. Iker Casillas is arguably the greatest goaltender of all time, or one of the greatest goaltenders. Lev Yashin probably is the greatest goaltender of all time. But he's one of the greatest of all time. But we're not, we can't throw him up at the top. Look at Carlos Puyol. He retired in 2014. He retired from Spain in 2015. Or 2013. He only played four years in the decade. We can't throw him up there. David Villa, all-time record goal scorer for Spain. But played the latter part of the decade at NYCFC. You had Iker Casillas, who basically fell off the cliff once Spain lost all hope in 2014 in the World Cup and then went on to Porto and I think he's retired now Philip Lom retired in 2014 so we can't he only played four years in the decade Angel Di Maria is not ranked higher than these guys and I can't I cannot consciously put him above the other guys Casemiro great holding midfielder has been a big factor to Real Madrid's success at the at the top of their midfield trio with Luka Modric and Tony Cruz, but I can't put him above certain players on this list. He's a great player. He's had a lot of success for Real Madrid, but I can't put him above other players on this list. Ivan Rakitic, great player, but started to slow, slow down a little bit. Wayne Rooney, one of the best players in the world in the early part of the decade, and they kind of slowed down a little bit towards the end of the decade. If this was all-time, Wayne Rooney would be towards the top of this list. Wayne Rooney is one of the greatest players of all time. And I feel bad for putting him on here because he was the reason, him and Ronaldo were the reason I started liking Manchester United when I was a wee yip, ye, what do they call it? Ye whippersnapper back in the day. Manchester United was the only team that was on TV. So I grew up watching Manchester United. Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo were my two favorite players. So I feel terrible putting Wayne Rooney there, but I have to. Arturo Vidal, yeah, I mean, I feel bad for but He's won a lot of trophies, played for a lot of great teams. Look at Juventus. Now he's with Bayern Munich, won trophies in, uh, with Chile as well, the Copa Americas. But I can't rank him above some of these other players. And then Chabi Alonso, another great player, was a key member in those Spain teams. If you're, you're so good, you made them push Andres Iniesta to the wing. That's how good you were. But the best part of this decade, he was playing for Real Madrid. And he only played five years or six years total, I guess, for Real Madrid. And he didn't play his last. So, yeah, he only played five years for Real Madrid and retired from international play in 2014. So I can't rank him higher than some of these players. But I feel so bad ranking like Wayne Rudy below some certain players. But let's rank, let's go through this and rank the players through the top to this top 50. Uh, Lionel Messi's number one, Ronaldo's number two. I don't really need to do a lot of explaining there. I would put Neymar three. I would put Mbappe four. Griezmann five. Modric six. I think I like the top ten in this order. And then we go down to the bottom. The person closest to the top ten, probably Zlatan, because he 
is aging like a fine, fine wine while playing in the latter parts of his for PSG. All-time record goal scorer for them. Made, came to the Premier League. Dominated for that season in the Premier League. Made the LA You're Welcome thing in the LA Times. Just a great player. Legend, one of my favorite players of all time. And one of the best players of the decade. I'm not going to go through and rank these because there's so many great players. I couldn't rank them all. I just couldn't do that. Now, one player, one thing I feel bad about putting Prior Emmerich Aubameyang above the likes of Xavi and Dani Alves. But if you look at what Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang has done this decade, it's insane. He has had some great, great success in this decade with likes of Borussia Dortmund and Arsenal. In his time at Dortmund, when he became the striker when they sold Robert Lewandowski to Bayern Munich, he scored 39 goals, 40 goals, and then 21 goals in his last year. And that was in 24 games. He scored 25 goals his second year as the starter. 16 goals his first year at Borussia Dortmund. He scored 21 goals his last year at St. Etienne. 18 goals there the season prior. And then at Arsenal, he scored 10 in 13 games. Then he scored 31 goals, taking home, or joint taking home the Golden Boots. 22 goals in the Premier League, tied with Mo Salah and Sadio Mane. And then 17 goals, going on 20 in total in all competitions, going into this season. Also, the Arsenal captain, as of right now, because of the, the things that Granite Xhaka did when he was the captain at Arsenal, kind of got that taken away from him. So he's not going to be the captain anytime soon, you would imagine. But it's just so hard to rank these guys because there's so, they're so many great players on this list. Legendary players. Legend, like, I feel terrible for putting Carlos Puyol... David Villa, Iker Casillas, Philip Lom, Wayne Rooney, and Chabi Alonso in the 41 to 50 range, but they were the best at the latter part of the de- at the early parts of the decade. As far as the other players go, like Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, Mbappe, Griezmann, Modric, they're still they've been dominant the entire decade. Some of the best players in the world, Luka Modric went from well, the worst signing Real Madrid history, as voted by by the Real Madrid fans, to a Ballon d'Or winner that ended the Messi and Ronaldo stranglehold on the trophy. Then Messi got it back last year, beating Virgil van Dijk to the award. It's just crazy. These are some of the best players of all time. You can't possibly rank these guys. It's so hard to rank players like this. It's hard to rank legends. Because they all did so many great things for their teams. But if you look at the likes of Iniesta and Xavi and Dani Alves and Yaya Toure they have to get ranked lower than some of the other players because they didn't their best stuff wasn't at the entire decade it was towards the beginning of the decade yaya toure left manchester city in 2018 but was not seen as an integral player of the team that late in his career wasn't playing as much he scored 20 goals in 2013-14 in the premier league dominating the season other than that he scored had one season above 10 goals but that didn't show that doesn't necessarily say he wasn't a great player he was a huge factor in those Manchester City teams that won the titles but that was in 2013-14 then he started getting less and less playing time as it went on so it's hard to rank him that low but man that's the problem with ranking legends you can't you can't do it you can't rank legends it's impossible 
to do so. And I feel bad for ranking these guys as low as I did. So with that being said, let's take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. Come back, talk about some NFL stuff, some football stuff. We got some more fun stuff for you today. Re-look at the Rams uniforms and rank all the uniforms in the NFL, 1 through 32. No tiers, none of that. We're doing this normally, 1 through 32. And yeah, we'll have that all for you. I'll post this on Twitter now, and we'll get that up for you so you can take a look at the full bracket or the full tier list. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We just got done doing the tier list of the top 50 football players or soccer players, whatever you want to call them, over the past decade. And it was one of the hardest tier lists I have ever had to do in my entire life. Because there's so many great players. You can't expect me to rank all of these players and go like, oh yeah. Because there's there's certain players on this list that have had better careers than players they are ranked below. Like, if you look up at the list, like Chavi, has he had a worse career than Kevin De Bruyne? No. Iniesta, same thing. Definitely not. But as regard to the decade, yes, they have had worse careers. Because they did they retired either at the beginning of the decade or in the middle of the decade and didn't actually finish the decade or went on to go play in Japan or Qatar or the United States in the later part of their career. So you look at David Villa, Xavi, Andres Iniesta, Donny Alves. Like all these players are now playing in lower level leagues, to say the least. I love the MLS. I'm a huge MLS fan. I love sporting Kansas City, but it is a lot lower league than the likes of La Liga, the Premier League, Serie A, Ligue 1, whatever, Bundesliga. Like If you want to just throw in any league there, it's not as good as those leagues, obviously. I, it doesn't take a genius to know that, but yeah, it's just so hard to rank these. The one I'm, I, I wish I threw Donny Alves up one more tier. It's so close. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I hate ranking legends. I hate it. Especially when they play different positions. It's so hard. So hard. I hate it. Donny Alves has won more trophies than he's lived on this, than years he's lived on this earth. That's how insane Donny Alves is. But the reason I had him below Andres Iniesta which was the one that I contemplated the most, was having Donny Alves on the tier above or having Andres Iniesta there. Andres Iniesta played at the top for a little bit longer than and played more games towards the end than Donny Alves did. Donny Alves is still playing. He's playing in Brazil. Andres Iniesta, I think, is retiring this year, but he was playing in Japan. But he was only there for a year. And he scored the winning goal to get Spain the World Cup in 2010 to start off the decade strong. One of the highest uh, highest uh, rates of babies being born nine months after that moment is insane. I get, I you can figure out why. But Iniesta was just a great player. He was played on the wing in Spain, still played 
amazing for Spain, even though he's not a winger at all. That just showed the depth of Spain's midfield. You also had Cesc Fabregas playing as a striker. So you had a starting line, David, David Silva on the wing. So you had a, a, the, your attacking six for Spain because they ran the four, they ran the four, four, three during their dominance in 2008, 2010, 2012. They ran the four, four, three or four, three, three. Their midfield consisted of Sergio Busquets as the holding midfielder, Xavi Alonso and Xavi as the midfielders. Then Andres Iniesta on the left, David Silva on the right and Cesc Fabregas as the striker. You had six midfielders playing as your midfield trio and your attacking trio. That is how insane Spain's attack or, uh, midfield options were and how limited their attacking options were. Like, Jesus Navas should not have been anywhere near a team, a Spain team. Negredo should not have been near a Spain team. Llorente was a really good backup and legend in Sevilla, but not worthy of a call-up, really. But they kept constantly getting called up. You had uh, Roberto Soldado as well. Even now, Spain's attacking options are not great. They are better than what they were back then. So you actually have some semblance of a competent striker. Because David Villa, towards the end, was not as lethal in front of goal as he was during the, like, the 2010 World Cup and all that stuff. I don't even know if he played in the 2012 Euros. I know Fernando Torres did, but at the time, at that time, Fernando Torres was a shell of himself from the one that played at Liverpool. He was the one at Chelsea, where he couldn't score a goal to save his life. Man, Spain was so dominant. Spain was so good. Spain was so good during those four, those, like, what, eight years. 2008, 2010, 2012. Most dominant national team of all time. France could have a similar success story because they've got some amazing players in their own right. Look at the France team now. They won the World Cup 2018. They lost in the Euros finals in 2016. And then they were probably going to make it to the Euros again this year, finals this year. You look at what they have. You have Kylian Mbappe, Antoine Griezmann, Raphael Varane, Benjamin Pavard, as a right back, who's not even a natural right back. Same with Lucas Hernandez, not a natural left back. Hugo Lloris is still there. You got N'Golo Conte, Paul Pogba. You got so much talent in that team. Anthony Martial didn't even get called up to the World Cup. Kingsley Komen, Usman Dembele, Samuel Ntiti. Like, you got such an amazing, amazing team. They could have similar success to that Spain team of the 08, 2010, and 2012 team. They're that good. France has the deepest team in the world. You look at their squad that they didn't bring to the World Cup, and it could have challenged some of the teams that made the World Cup. Kareem Benzema's not even in the team. You have Olivier Giroud starting up top, but that's just because D.A. Deschamps does not like Kareem Benzema and has frozen him out of the national team setup. Which is a shame for Kareem Benzema because he's a way better striker than... Olivier Giroud, but Giroud provides so much to that France team as far as hold-up play that he makes him integral to this French national team. Antoine Griezmann is the main goal scorer on that team, and he plays as a number 10 right behind Giroud, and he operates through the space that Giroud creates because of how big he is and commands people to come near him and double-team him for so he doesn't win headers and chest the ball down, stuff like that. 
And Mbappe coming down the right wing. You can start Mbappe at striker. You can put Martial at striker. They're just, they got so much depth. They could have a sim- they could have similar success. And Griezmann and Mbappe, they were undoubtedly going in that top tier. They were the two best players of France's World Cup winning team. And Pogba, I felt bad for putting him as low as he is, but his time at Manchester United has been iffy at best. But his time in France has been awesome. He was one of the best players in the World Cup when they won. He was a beast at Juventus. Hopefully he regains that confidence and form because a lot of people are not liking his attitude. I don't know if his attitude is that bad or if it's just the public making up or the media making up stuff, which they tend to do, especially over there in England. Got some faulty reporting over there in the British Isles. The British island of England. Slash Scotland. Include Ireland, Northern Ireland, and Wales as well. But yeah, we're done talking about soccer now. Hopefully, though, the Premier League, speaking of England, starts up sometime in June. Haven't heard an exact date. I love watching the Premier League. Now, I am going to get upset because I was really excited to watch the Euros during the summer. I love watching the European competition. I was wanting Sweden to take home the trophy, which they weren't going to do, but maybe they could. Maybe this extra year will get them more prep, more prepped up, more prepared to take home the trophy this time around in 2021 instead of 2020. Because they sucked in the 2016 Euros. They scored one goal in the entire tournament, and it wasn't even scored by a Swedish player. It was an own goal by an Irish player. I think it was Kieran Clark. Like... Sweden sucked in that last tournament. Hopefully they re, re, they use the motivation they had or the confidence they got from the 2018 World Cup and carry that into next year's Euros. But that's going to be sad not having the Euros there. I love having the Euros around. It was going to be a fun one this year too. England might have actually had a, cha- a decent chance to do something crazy. But now next year, you got an even better chance because Harry Kane's going to be fully healthy. Marcus Rashford's going to be fully healthy. You're going to have a lot more fun next year than you are going to have this year. Now, full season, another season of Dean Henderson dominating, then he'll probably take the number one spot away from Jordan Pickford. Is my guess. And then you're going to have an elite right-back battle between Trent Alexander-Arnold and Aaron Wan-Bissaka, the battle of the hyphenated names. That's going to be an intense battle. Left-back, I think it's Ben Chilwell's to lose. They got England's got some good players on their team. They could actually make some noise in Euro 2021. Look out for England this year. But we're not we're done talking about soccer. I need to stop talking about soccer for right now. We are moving on to the other football, American football. And we got to talk about these Rams uniforms. We we talked about them a little bit on Wednesday. As you do, when a new uniform gets released, you go, Wow, that's that's interesting. But when it pops up on you on the no I didn't even know they were getting released then Wednesday. It literally just came about out of nowhere. <laughs> And I had to do an immediate reaction, and that wasn't even a good enough reaction to what was actually going on. Eric Dickerson said it best. Uniform looks soft. The helmet now looks like two bananas, which it does. It does look like two bananas. And Ryan Dizdyer has tweeted something that I have said numerous times on the show. And I should have tweeted it because he got almost 6,000 likes on it. I should have just tweeted that. We must create a petition to ban gradient uniforms forever. Yes, gradient uniforms are the dumbest thing in sports. I hate gradient uniforms with a burning passion. 
You look at the Jaguars helmet, the ugliest helmet in NFL history. You got the Atlanta Falcons, the ugliest uniform in NFL history with that gradient red-black thing. It looks like Manchester United's jersey from a few years ago, and that uniform sucked. And the fact that it made what makes it worse is that he threw a guy who's named Grady in the gradient jersey to model it for you. That's the annoying part about it. And then the Rams are doing their best to beat the Falcons for the worst new uniforms in the NFL. I hate these uniforms. After reflecting on it for a day, I hate these uniforms. I hate with a burning passion these Los Angeles Rams uniforms. And it makes me feel sick that I did a whole bracket of uniforms and put the Rams in there as the number one team, or tied with the LA Chargers. It was those two. Because you know what I thought they were going to do? I thought they were just going to go back to the uniforms they rocked with Eric Dickerson, with Kurt Warner, with Marshall Falk, Isaac, like those yellow, blue and yellow uniforms. Norm Van Brocklin. Like you want, that's what I was expecting them to do. And then they go out and create these and create a uniform called Bone. Did anybody ever know that was an official color and that teams would actually use that as a uniform color at all? Was that ever in anybody's mind ever? The Bone uniforms are the worst uniforms in the NFL. And that's saying a lot with the Atlanta Falcons and their gradient jersey. These are the, the bone uniforms. The home uniforms are not as bad. I hate the gradient on the on the numbers, but this bone color throws me off. And it, the part that makes it even dumber, the, the thing that I dislike about the uniforms the most, not even the colors, it's the stupid patch that they have on the left shoulder. Or like on the left collarbone, whatever you want to call it. That patch that says Los Angeles Rams. If you're going to have the patch, make it match the uniform. Why would you put the patch on there and not make it bone? Or just do something even crazier. Just make a uniform white like every other team in the history of the universe. The Seattle Seahawks have a gray uniform. They hardly rock it. Because it's stupid. You're going to be rocking this every away game. <laughs> every away game, this is what you're going to be rocking. You expect sales to go up on these gray uniforms? These Bowen uniforms? And then what makes it worse, also, not only the patch, is that they've got a, yellow, a white part on the jersey on the sleeve to go with the horn. I don't like this. I don't like the numbers. Someone called it like someone put uh, icing on a cake. And that's what the away numbers look like. Yes, that is what they look like. That is a fair shout on what these look like. Looks like if I put my finger in there, I'd get a thing up and I'd lick it and i go, ooh, blue frosting. Delicious. But no, it's not. It's an actual uniform. <laughs> Someone got paid to make this. I saw something on Twitter yesterday. Hold on. I got a hair in my mouth from something. I saw this on Twitter and it said... The Rams went with, like, this elaborate, like, fashionista people. Like, the people that made the stupid logo. The worst new logo in the NFL right now. Chargers got input from the fans and players for their new uniforms and what changes they wanted to see. That's why the Chargers uniforms are the best in the NFL. And the Rams, which were, which I was anticipating to be one of the best in the NFL, are now one of the worst in the NFL. I already hated their uniforms. Because of the different colors that they had on their uniforms. The white horn on the helmet. The gold horn on the ram on the shoulder. 
the big block stripe on the pants. The different con like you had the white and blue helmet with the uniform that was worn from the Kurt Warner team that lost the Super Bowl and the St. Louis Rams. And then you got these white pants with this big old blue stripe on the side. It's like the size of an arm. Like if you put Aaron Donald's arm on the sleeve on the leg, they just traced that pretty much and colored it in with navy blue. I was expecting so much from the Rams. And then they did this. I hate the bone uniforms. The home uniforms, if you took away the stupid gradient color on the jersey on the number, which I am hoping that they just get away with it this year. They rock this this year and then move on from it next year and just go plain yellow numbers like a normal team. I'm fine with the home uniform. I'm fine with the patch too because it matches the home uniform. Even the thing on the neck, like the little tag thing, that matches the uniform. The horn, the yellow horn matches the helmet. The away uniform has three different colors. White, blue, or four, white, blue, yellow and bone and then it has a stupid patch that doesn't even match the rest of the jersey it's white make it bone like the home uniforms they at least got that right but the patch blue the patch of the home uniforms looks fine to me i don't really care about the patch of the home ones it's the away uniforms that are absolutely atrocious they're terrible it's absolutely terrible i bone uniforms and the, the thing that made it even worse if you already didn't like the uniforms like myself they made a stupid video of Cooper Cup and um, Robert Woods walking around with their new uniforms on. With the away uniforms, you should at least rock some. And they even got gradient on the pants. I didn't even realize that. The pants are gradient for the home ones. Like, why? Why did you guys do gradient? This is one of the worst worst videos I've ever seen. Worst ones ever. I hate it. Worst promotional video ever. Ugh, God. I hate the promotional video. I hate the bone uniforms. I just dislike a lot of things about that uniform. So that being said, how does it compare to the rest of the uniforms in the NFL? Let us see. Let us see how it compares to the rest of the NFL. So here is our Logan Blackman show. Official NFL uniform rankings. Starting at 32, the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons uniforms weren't great to begin with. They should have just gone back to the Dirty Bird uniforms, which, to their credit, are an alternate uniform. So good on you. But what's with the gradient jersey? Why did you make the gradient jersey? It makes it even dumber, and I've said this about, I've talked about this ad nauseum here on the show. You put a guy named Grady in the gradient jersey. That's so cheesy. Atlanta, you're supposed to be the cool team. You had Mike Vick as your quarterback. Madden 04, like, those were the uniforms you should have thrown on. The all-black look that Mike Vick had, those were some cold uniforms. And then you start rocking the red jerseys, which were fine. Didn't dislike the red jerseys. It's like the black ones more. And then now you go in with this one. If you took the gradient jersey out, I might have more sympathy for this thing. But sadly, it don't work like that. The jersey's terrible. 
And the cheesiest part of all is that you threw a guy named Grady with it. Uh, number 31. Um, That's a close one. Close battle between 30 and 31. I'd put the New York Jets. The, the Jets uniforms, and I talked about this on the show last year, had the, the why are teams moving backwards when getting new uniforms the teams that are at 28 through 32 all have had new uniforms in the past year 20 to 32 are all teams that changed their uniforms why the black jerseys the jets are rocking are one of the worst uniforms i've ever seen in the nfl and the, I hate the reasoning behind their different things. We talked about this on the show last year, uh, but they had like different meanings behind the different things. Their uniforms weren't bad before. The last time you guys had green helmets was the most embarrassing fran- the bar- most embarrassing time in New York Jets history. That's why you changed them. The '90s were not a great decade for the New York Jets. Yeah, the Neil O'Donnell era signed him right after the Super Bowl. Gave him a buttload of money. You had Boomer Esiason, an old Boomer Esiason. You had Frank Reich, who was not a good quarterback in Carolina. Or did he go to, was he in Philly, was he in New York before Carolina? Let's check. Because I need to double check that. Because I don't want to be, I don't want to be putting you guys off in wrong, with wrong information. I know he played for the Panthers and Jets. Which one did he play for first? I think he played for the Panthers first. Yeah, he played for the Panthers first. And then the Jets. So I was right. The green uniforms the Jets rocked then brought a lot of pain to a lot of Jets fans. That was also the year the uniforms they rocked when they drafted Kyle Brady instead of Hall of Famer Warren Sapp. When they already had numerous tight ends on the roster, and even Kyle Brady was surprised that the New York Jets took him. You also had some very weird coaches along that time. Rich Kotite being one of the weirdest ones. You had Bill Belichick for 30 minutes, and then he left. But that was when you guys were transitioning back to the better uniforms. You had Bill Parcells there, who brought some success to the New York Jets franchise. You just had some really, really weird coaches during those times. I can't think of any more off the top of my head. But just go look up New York Jets coaches in the 90s. When they rocked those green uniforms. When they changed to those, they did not get better. Because I get the changing uniforms trying to move into the future. There's a reason they went back to the Joe Namath uniforms. Because the green helmets didn't work for the Jets. And the green helmets look stupid now. Now I will say this. They are growing on me. They have grown on the home and away ones. The all white look for the away is not bad. But I think I ranked them 32nd last year. So now they're going at 32 or 31. Or wait, no, I had the Buccaneers uniform was the worst in the NFL. But the Bucs changed them. I think they just stuck at 31 with the Jets, if I remember right. Those black uniforms are hideous. Those are terrible. They look like the Green Bay Blizzard from the Indoor Football League. If you don't know what that looks like, go look them up. The Jets uniforms are terrible, and they were very close. Like, the Falcons were in a tier all by themselves. And then you had the Jets and the Titans who were very, very close at number 31. You could probably flip them around if you wanted to. These uniforms are terrible. I don't like the Navy helmets. I don't like the weird silver shoulder pad thing you guys got. 
on the shoulder silver thing it's i know it's supposed to look like a sword but it just looks stupid it's even got two different colors in it because it's supposed to look like a blade of a sword if you didn't know that there's new information for you the the different color combinations you guys rock with these things like let's see if i can find a really bad combination on here the navy blue jersey like it's just bad it's just very bad like there we go navy blue helmet white jerseys light blue pants i think they have some gray pants that they've rocked with their away jerseys that make them look even worse but i don't know if they've actually been i bet they've taken all those pictures down Ugh, the light blue with white pants. I don't know why you guys got rid of the jersey you had. They weren't bad uniforms. They weren't the best uniforms in the world. But I think you took a step back in your new you, you, yeah, your new uniforms. Then you got that weird under the shoulder thing. It doesn't even go all the way down. It's like, or does it? It just switches colors. Is that what is that what it is? No, it just randomly stops like halfway down the side. So yeah, uh, great great adjustment there. And the gray face, man, like, it's just not a good jersey. It's just not. The numbers are super weird. I don't know what they're doing with the, like, the little points at the end of every single number. Like, if you look closely at the numbers, like, even 77, 84, 17, at the top of the number, the top corner of the number, there's a little jagged mark going to the left, and it just looks cheesy. They were really close to, I I might switch the Jets and Titans, because the Titans ones are just atrocious and they got new uniforms. like 28 to 32 all got new uniforms within a year that's how bad these you know like why would you change like these teams uniforms weren't great to begin with but they made them way worse than what they already were uh jacksonville they actually improved their uniforms to say that they improved and that's saying a lot because their uniforms at the time with the gradient helmet were the worst uniforms in the nfl by far those that combination that they had i want to see if i can find it because they might just have all their new stuff out oh where is it i gotta find well, there's the helmet i already know what the helmet looks like i want the full uniform so i can fully <laughs> fully embrace with the jaguars there we go that's just the jerseys but good lord these were the worst uniforms in the nfl by far the numbers, again, what's with the little pointy parts at the end? What's with, like, the gold around the cut, like, the shoulders and then, like, the teal on the, the, the like, the shoulder part, the gradient helmet, the different colors that you guys threw together, it just did not look good. The gradient helmet is the worst helmet in NFL history. It is. The gradient Jacksonville Jaguars helmet is the ugliest helmet in NFL history the ugliest one there's been some ugly helmets throughout the years but that one takes the cake unchallenged if they still had those they would be placed so far down they wouldn't even be an nfl team anymore they wouldn't even be considered an nfl team they'd be considered an arena football team and that's not even a league anymore it's how bad those uniforms were now they did take some steps in the right direction getting rid of the the nasty their away uniforms are nice their home uniforms are nice they've got one thing going on them they've got something on the sleeve and that's that's it other than that it's all black or all white the numbers don't even have outlines on them i mean you went from the most insane ugly uniforms in nfl history to the most plain uniforms 
in NFL history like that. Which is a credit to you because those jerseys were atrocious, the ones you had the year before. I'm just happy you went with the all-black helmet again. But their uniform's still not. I don't like the teal. Teal's just a weird color, especially the shade the Jaguars. It's like a darker one. Like the Dolphins, like I don't really know. Would, is that teal? What color is that? I got to look at like their official colors because <laughs> I don't know if that's – is it teal? Is it aquamarine or something like that? Or wait, is that the Dolphins one? I mean, it is teal. Okay, so I think the Dolphins one's um, aquamarine or whatever, like the movie, the mermaid movie, which shows how tough the Dolphins are. But the Jaguars, they just went from the worst uniforms in the NFL to the most plain uniforms in the NFL – and I'm glad they don't rock the all-teal look that much. So that's a terrible color combination. Uh, number 28, the Los Angeles Rams, the new ones. Again, I thought these uniforms were going to be sweet. I thought they were going to be like the ones they've been wearing as alternates, the ones they wore in the Super Bowl, the one Kurt Warner wore in the Super Bowl and won. But no, I'm actually going to move the Jaguars up to 27. We'll talk about whoever, who 27 is right now, or next. But the Rams' new uniforms, the bone uniform, with the patch on the shoulder, it's terrible. It's just terrible. It just is. It's a terrible uniform choice. Whoever designed that needs to get fired. Just like the new logo, everything about the uniforms is terrible. I'm just saying it like it is. It's terrible. That's I've talked about it enough, so let's move on. Uh, the Denver Broncos are next. These uniforms are straight out of the 90s. And this is a definition of a team that needs to change their uniforms. And same with the team coming up next. But these uniforms are terrible. Orange, which I don't like teams that rock all orange. It's gross. Now, I do think that they should just switch their color rush uniforms. Because those are way better than the ones they have now. And those aren't even that good. I just hate the Broncos. Like, the the orange, all orange color rush uniforms is better than the orange ones they rock right now with the stupid shoulder thing or the, the underarm thing that, like, reaches up and connects to the collarbone. Like, it just looks stupid. It, like, at least you got, like, the, uh, where is it? I need a side. All the helmets of the, there we go. The helmet of the color rush uniforms are better than the ones you have now. And I get the horror, the pony thing that you guys have on the side of the helmet. But the stupid stripe, like the pointed stripe, just go back to the color rush uniforms and do the the tri- the dual colored stripe. The orange and white stripe just looks like a normal football helmet. Don't do the stupid orange pointy stripe. It looks stupid. I do like the helmet logo on the color rush ones more. And they're wearing all orange. I don't like all orange uniforms. Just like I don't like all yellow NFL uniforms. Those are gross. But it's better than the ones when they don't rock, when they rock all, when they rock the orange jerseys and the blue, the white pants. They're better than those. That's saying a lot. And I hate orange uniforms, as I've said a thousand times. And the, the stripe on the pants is just, the stripe, the continuous stripe all the way down to a point. It just, like, John Elway's not, I get he's the, does everything in the organization. He's everybody in Denver. But you can change the uniforms just because you want a Super Bowl in those uniforms. Doesn't mean you can't change the uniform back to something else. You need an upgrade on those uniforms, desperately. Out of all the teams that needed to change uniforms, that one needed to be changed more than any of them. Next one, the Houston Texans. These ones are not good. It's the same thing as the Broncos. You 
They haven't changed since the start of their franchise. Their color rush uniforms, I dig them, but this I don't. I don't actually. I don't really dig them. I don't really know what I like about the Texans uniforms. The numbers need to be changed because they're like the Titans. They got that stupid point in the uniform. Like if you look at the the numbers are just stupid. Just go to normal numbers. You don't need to add little textures to those. Just go change the Texans. Update your uniforms. I love your logo. Logo's pretty cool, but that's about it. I don't like the different uniform combinations you guys have. The white and navy blue away uniforms, I probably my least favorite ones. Just give them a little upgrade. They need an upgrade. They're not very good to look at. They're pretty they're pretty plain and not they're that's just not great. Go back to the light blue of the Oilers. No, don't do that. But because the Titans already stole those. But yeah, they need an upgrade. Number 25, the Cincinnati Bengals. There is so much going on in the Cincinnati Bengals uniforms. There is so much going on. Like, I don't even know what to say about these uniforms. Like, there's, it's like, I'm going to have a stroke just staring at them. They got so many different things. Like, they got tiger stripes on the pants. They got tiger stripes on the sleeves. They got tiger stripes on the helmets. They got orange, black, white. Like, they got the white underarm plit thing on the home uniforms. Why is that there? Just take that out. The white thing underneath the arm on the home uniforms does not need to be there. I am cool with the all black look. I don't like the orange jerseys that you guys randomly throw on. The helmet's pretty cool. I I like the helmet. Just tone down on everything else. <laughs> pretty much. Don't rock the orange jerseys though. Don't do that. That's that's a little much. You don't need to do that. Those need to go back to the 90s. But just simplify it. Your uniforms weren't bad. Like when you first got decent. Like, if you look at the Anthony Munoz Bengals, those uniforms aren't good, but they're not as crazy as the ones they have now. Like, there's a lot less things going on there. And this Tiger Stripes, I, it's cool. It's a nice touch. It's unique. But, yeah, I don't really know if... Yeah, the Bengals need an upgrade. I don't know what they do to them, but they need an upgrade. Uh, number 24, the Washington Redskins. They're, the red color that the Redskins rock is just weird. I don't know what official color that is. Is it maroon? Is it... I, I don't know what color it is. It's just ugly. It's an ugly red. Let's just put it like that. There's a reason no one else in the NFL rocks a jersey that color. Because it's gross. And then yellow along with that. And it just looks like... It just screams overpaying. <laughs> We're going to overpay for somebody. That with Josh Norman, Albert Hainsworth, Deion Sanders, Bruce Smith, Adam Archuleta. Like, we can go on and on about what the Redskins have done. That's what these uniforms scream to me. They're just ugly. <laughs> the red color is just gross to look at. I hate the red color. I don't need to go much more further in depth than that. Uh, number 23, this one might upset some people, but the Seattle Seahawks. Like, why? Why is there so much going on? It's just like the, what, who do we, the Bengals uniforms. This is straight out of college. This looks like a college team's uniform. The the weird home uniforms, like the silver stripe across the chest thing, like goes from the sleeve all the way up to the middle. The it connects at the collar area. And then it reads Seahawks. And then I'm not even going to touch 
with a 20-foot pole, those neon green uniforms that they rock. Those uniforms, oh my God. If they rock those, if those were their home uniforms, those would be the worst uniforms in the NFL. There was a time in my life where I got literally an all-neon outfit. I had neon shoes, socks, shorts, and a sweatshirt. And even got a shirt for it. I don't like neon. Especially all of it. I'm looking at a picture of Russell Wilson, who's one of my favorite players in the entire league. Green shoes, green socks, green pants, green jersey. like that, And green undershirt. Those uniforms are gross. They need to get simplified a lot. I don't know what the, the helmet thing is. Like the weird texturized thing on the helmet. It's just weird to look at. And then the gray pants to throw on with the navy blue uniforms. And then what's this thing on the side? Like, what's the pants? What is that? It's like arrows or something. Those be, a, a, I don't know what those are supposed to be. I don't know what they're supposed to be. Get rid of the neon. Get rid of the gray uniforms. Listen to the Look at what the LA Rams are doing and go, wow, we should just toss our into a fire. Get rid of those things. Just move on. Just don't even worry about it anymore. Just keep on keeping on, pretty much. And then, moving on from Seattle with those god-awful uniforms, we have, I gotta reopen my phone, the Detroit Lions. They're, they tried to um, upgrade, but they went a little crazy with it. Like, you look at their uniforms, they're just weird to look at. The numbers, again, are just odd. They're not bad uniforms. I mean, they're, well, they're bad I'm not a fan of these things. I don't know what the, the, they're just not fun. They're not good to look at. The numbers are weird. The uniform combinations are weird. Like you're, you're, it says a lot when your Thanksgiving day uniforms, that are just a silver helmet, plain blue Jersey and plain silver pants are better than the uniforms you have right now. It says a lot about your current state of uniforms. Uh, moving on from that, we got the Carolina Panthers. Again, it's nothing special. I like the black stuff, but they're not great uniforms. They've they haven't changed them since they've come into the league. Like the Texans haven't. Just get new uniforms, guys. Just simple. The different colors you have on the sleeves, like you got the blue stripe and the silver stripe next to it, and it wraps all the way around the arm. It just looks weird. I don't know. It's just a and then the stupid stripe on the helmet. It's just weird. I, I can get behind the black uniforms, but the, the stri- it's just weird. There's weird combinations of stripes on these jerseys for the Carolina Panthers. Number 20, the Miami Dolphins, just based on the fact it's not their retro uniforms. If they rocked the uniforms they wore in the 72 Dolphins team, they would be a lot higher because those uniforms are so much better than the ones they rock right now. They're just weird to look at. The dolphin's weird to look at on the helmet. Just get the dolphin jumping through the fire again, and it'll be fine. Not next to the fire like it is on this helmet. The dolphin just looks weird. Get your old uniforms back. Uh, number 19, this might upset a few people, the Green Bay Packers. I don't like green and yellow. Simple as that. That combination, it looks like pee and throw up. I don't like that color combination. There's a reason no one else has that color combination in the NFL. And no one rocks it. The only team that pulls off green and yellow at all in the world of sports is the Oregon Ducks. Green Bay does not pull it off. 
especially when they rock those disgusting navy blue alternate uniforms that they like to throw on. I don't know why they do that. It's weird to look at. And just please don't rock it. Go somewhere else with those uniforms. Uh, number 18, the Philadelphia Eagles. Their green's just weird. I don't know what color that is. It's like a dark green. It, it looks like you colored something green, like actual green, and then highlighted it with like yellow highlighter. Because if you know, it makes it darker, even though it's a highlighter, do you think it'd make it lighter? But it makes it a little dark. It looks like that. So go get a green marker and get a highlighter and then highlight it a couple times. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's just weird. I love Carson Wentz. I love the helmet, but I think they should just go back to the Kelly Green uniforms that they rocked with, like Reggie White, Randall Cunningham, and those guys. Those were the better uniforms. This one's just a weird green color, and it needs updating. It hasn't been updated in a very, very long time. There's teams that need updates to their uniforms. Like the Jets uniforms weren't bad before, but they needed updating. They just updated them wrong. Um, who else needed updates? Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars desperately needed an update. Tampa Bay Buccaneers needed an update because they changed their uniforms after their update to bring them back to what they already had. Philly just needs an upgrade. Them, the Texans, the Broncos, they just need upgrades. They've had the same uniforms for our entire lives. So I'm speaking of the fact of a 22-year-old and other 22-year-olds out there. Like, they just need an upgrade. And I would recommend going back to the Kelly Green ones. Same with Seattle. Go back to your ones that you rocked with um, Steve Largent. Like the silver helmets, the Kenny Easley ones. Jim Zorn. Like, get those uniforms back. Uh, number 17, the New York Giants. They're just plain uniforms. They're nothing too crazy about them. But that's why they're lower. Because they're just... They've never really changed. They've changed a little bit over the years. Um... Yeah, there's not really a lot to talk about, <laughs> to be 100% honest. I like that they went back to the white pants. The white pants are cool, but yeah, they're just a plain blue jersey. That's literally it. It's a plain blue jersey with no stripes, no other colors on it. It's got a number and a logo and a name. That's it. It's nothing special. The pants are white, got a few stripes on the sides, which are pretty cool. Their color rush uniforms are pretty nice. I like their color rush uniforms. But, yeah, they're they're just plain. They're just very, very plain. I like red, white, and blue. I love that color combination. But it's just plain. Uh, number 16, I got the New England Patriots. I like that they went to the color rush uniforms because the ones that they had, there was just a lot of stuff going on. And like the teams I've mentioned before, they need an update. And the color rush uniforms they had were better than what they were already rocking. Now, I think they should go back to the Minuteman uniforms, the red ones with the white helmets. At least for an alternate. But now with the new NFL helmet ruler, you can have multiple helmets. Hopefully that comes back. But I like the color rush uniforms. I'm glad they updated their away ones to make that their away uniform. Oh, geez. Because if you look at like the Browns, they made their away uniforms or their home uniforms last year, their color rush ones. But they kept the uniforms that they already had as the away ones as the away jerseys. So it's just two different uniform combinations like the rams they changed the helmet but the uniform stayed the exact same so it was just weird and the patriots i'm glad they went to the color rush uniforms home and away because it makes it look a lot better than what it did because there's just not a lot there's a lot less going on 
There's not that random stripe down the side. It's not really a stripe. It's just like two lines going down the side of the jersey. They're just better. There's not a... That, yeah, it's pretty much it. Um, Number 15, I got the Arizona Cardinals. They might need a little updating, but I like their uniforms. I like the all-black look that they have. So, yeah. I just like the all- I like their uniforms. I have no problem with the Arizona Cardinals uniforms. They were very plain for a lot of their history. And now they're looking... They look solid. I don't know why people hate on... I've looked at some lists... They have them a lot lower than what I think they should be. The Cardinals uniforms are not bad. I think they should be a lot higher than what people rate them as. I like them. Kyler Murray makes the uniform look cool, too. I just like the uniform. Uh, the Cleveland Browns are at number 14. The upgrades they made were immense. I get it that they just went back to the old uniforms, but sometimes going back is the only way you move forward, and that's what the Browns did because the uniforms they had were garbage. You're absolutely garbage. I get it. They're playing. They're just at the Jim Brown area Browns, but Hey, they won a championship with those uniforms. So you know what? They'll keep those uniforms. Uh, number 13, the Indianapolis Colts, just plain blue uniforms, white pants, nothing crazy. Just nice, clean uniforms. Pretty much a little plain, but you know what? I like the color combinations. I just like, I just, it just looks clean pretty much. Uh, number 12, the Chicago Bears. Um, I just don't like, I've said this before, I just don't like the color orange, really. But I like the Bears uniforms. I like their home uniforms. And I like their alternates they rock with the orange numbers, with the the blue, the all blue helmets. I like those uniforms. And they're just classic look. They never change their uniforms, really. And I just like the navy blue that they have. And the Bears get made fun of a lot, as it is already. So, just giving them some higher ratings on a list just means it's just nicer for them. Uh, number 11, the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't like red and yellow combinations. Just a gross color combination. Especially, they, they look like McDonald's. If they ever rock an all-yellow uniform, they'll be in the last place in a heartbeat. But the fact that it's a classic, that's never changed, not once, it looks the exact same as it did when they won their first Super Bowl. Now... It's, I just don't like red and yellow. People hate me for that because the Chiefs uniforms are classic, but whatever. Uh, number 10, the Minnesota Vikings. Their their shoulder sleeve, their, their stripe on the sleeve is a little weird. I'll give you that. It's like normal, but then it spikes up towards once you get towards the back. And yeah. I mean, I love the matte helmets. I rated them at the top of the NFL last week when we did Friday fun day for helmets it was just a fun hell I like the helmet I like the matte helmet it's better than the ones they rocked with Adrian Peterson when he won the MVP those uniforms were gross with Christian Ponder those were disgusting uniforms now they're just nice clean purple yellow uniform uh number nine the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going back the uniforms they won the Super Bowl in they had one of the worst uniforms if not the worst uniform in the entire NFL last year and now you go in with a really good, nice uniform. So, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the gray uniforms, the whatever color you want to call that alternate. But the home uniforms, the away uniforms, are very nice. Uh, number eight, the Baltimore Ravens. And just the all-black look is so nice. The all-black uniforms the Ravens rock on Monday nights and Thursday nights and Sunday nights. Those are awesome. 
they always rock them at night. They never rock them during the day, if I remember right. And even their all-white uniforms are nice. The Ravens just got a nice uniform. They've, unlike the other teams that have were expansion franchises like the Texans, the Panthers, and the Jaguars, they haven't really needed to upgrade them. They've been the same their entire existence, and no one seems to have a problem with it. They're still really cool. Uh, number seven, the Dallas Cowboys, they have one uniform. It's white. Like, what do you want me to do here? Yes, I get it's a classic look, but it's not. I saw a list that had it at number one. Their uniform is white. That is it. They randomly rock a blue jersey, but their uniform is white. Their home is white. Their away is white. That, that It's a classic look. I'll give you that. The blue and silver are nice. When they rock the blue jerseys, those are nice. When they have the white jerseys with the the star, the big stars in the sleeve, those are nice. But as far as home and away jerseys, they're number seven. Number six, New Orleans Saints, the black and gold. This is a nice, nice look. They're retro uniforms. They're a little plain. Their color rush uniforms are one of the best in the NFL. But I love the black and gold. I love black and gold color combinations. So that's why they're ranked as high as they are. Number five, the Buffalo Bills. I love their uniforms. Bills have one of the best uniforms in the NFL. You can't convince me otherwise. I love the Buffalo Bills uniforms. They've ranked a low. They're ranked low sometimes because they're just meh, according to some people. But they're great. The all blue look, the blue and white, the white and blue, the white and white, the all red look. It's just great. I love the Bills uniforms. Number four. Now we're getting some classic ones. Number four, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I might. No, never mind. Number four, the San Francisco 49ers. So now you know who number three is, but number four, San Francisco 49ers, red and gold. It's different than red and yellow. The Chiefs have red and yellow, ketchup and mustard. The 49ers are red and gold. If this was the Jeff Garcia 49ers, then we would rank these a lot lower. But the fact that they went back to the Joe Montana uniforms, those are a lot better. I love their uniforms. So that's why they're number four, three, Pittsburgh, black and gold. I don't really need to say much about it. Their uniform is the exact same as the Iowa Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes straight up stole the Pittsburgh Steelers uniforms because um, Hayden Fry literally said, if you want to look play like winners, you got to look like winners. So they just straight up stole the uniform. It's been consistent ever since. I love the Steelers uniforms. I hate the Steelers. Number two, the Las Vegas Raiders, the silver and black. Arguably the most well-recognized uniform in the NFL. Silver and black. It's just clean. It's just looks like an evil empire which is what the Raiders always wanted in Al Davis's tenure that's what he always wanted and that's why they're one of the greatest uniforms in the NFL number one the Los Angeles Chargers undoubtedly the number one best uniform in the NFL they went back to the Lance Allworth days put the number back on the helmet simplified the uniform have a bunch of different color combinations for their alternate uniforms so they undoubtedly have the best uniforms in the NFL so those are my uniform rankings. If you didn't like them, tell me about it. If not, if you liked them, then yeah, good on you. Now you agree with me, so your opinion is even better than what it was before. So I thank you for that. So with that being said, let's take another quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We'll be back to go over my five things, the five dumbest things the Cleveland Browns have done as an organization. Coming back in a little bit. All right, everybody, welcome back to the last half hour of the Logan Blackman show here on the Basement Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, 
Logan Blackman, if you look outside your window, whatever time you're listening to, unless it's on a Saturday or rainy day, don't listen to this. But if it's a sunny day, look outside and go, wow, it's a nice day outside. I should probably stop listening to Logan and go outside and play. So, yeah. But I recommend not doing that because I want you to listen to the podcast all the way through. Which I don't know how many people actually listen to this stupid thing anymore. I, I, I really bet, I'm willing to bet there's not one person that makes it this far throughout the podcast. If you do, message me and tell me my secret word that I said right now, which is Sprite Cranberry. So if you listen this far in the podcast, which I'm really not betting a lot of people are, since there's not a lot of people that listen to this podcast, which is kind of disheartening, but you know what? We keep on doing it. But if you did listen this far, send me a message saying Sprite Cranberry, and I will know you made it this far. I don't know why I thought of Sprite Cranberry. I know I thought of Sprite because I got a Sprite sitting right in front of me, but Sprite Cranberry, I think, was just for the memes, I guess. But that's beside the point. So let's move on to our next talking point. And the Cleveland Browns. If you were on social media all the past few days, you would have noticed that the Cleveland Browns and Russell Wilson were getting talked about as a possible trade destination. Apparently, in 2018, the Cleveland Browns and Seattle Seahawks were in talks, or at least Seattle initiated talks, on sending Russell Wilson to Cleveland while receiving the number one overall pick in the 2018 draft. And my dad texted me a little bit ago saying that on Dan Patrick, they were talking about this and the, uh, the Seattle Seahawks were trying to get Josh Allen. So if that happened, so let's just play imaginary games here. So Josh Allen goes number one in the Seattle Seahawks, which is just Weird to think about. I can't really imagine Josh Allen playing anywhere else other than Buffalo, but because he, he just fits Buffalo, but he I think he'd fit Seattle as well. So Josh Allen goes to Seattle. We still have Sam Darnold probably going to the Jets because it was talked about that the Jets options or the Jets people the Jets were looking at were Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. Those were the two quarterbacks that were constantly and then Sam Josh Rosen in there a little bit as well. I think in my last mock draft, before the 2018 draft, I had them taking Josh Rosen because I read a report of that right before the draft, which is just a prime example of overthinking a draft, which is what you don't want to do. You don't want to do a draft right before the draft starts. That's not a very good idea. I have done that for the past two years, or not past years, until this year, two years prior, that's what I did. Release the draft right before the draft starts. It's a really stupid idea. Very dumb idea. But you do it. I didn't do that this year. I released it at like 2 o'clock. So I was feeling confident going into the draft this year. And I got quite a few picks right. But it's still frustrating. Because there's a lot of picks that I talked about in my reasonings. That could have happened. That ended up did happening. Like if I just had the Chargers taking a quarterback. Like I knew they would. But didn't have it for whatever reason. I would have gotten that right. If I flip flopped. Derek Brown and Isaiah Simmons in Carolina and Arizona. I would have gotten that right. If I kept Jacksonville and Cleveland at number 9 and 10, I would have gotten those picks exactly right. Because I had the right players, just wrong teams. That's just right. If I didn't have the New England Patriots trading up for Justin Herbert, which I shouldn't have done in the first place since they never trade up for a quarterback, or trade up at all, then I would have gotten that right. Because I had the the Patriots trading back with, I think, Baltimore to take 
Kenneth Murray, the linebacker from Oklahoma. So I would have had the player right, wrong team. I didn't have the LA Chargers going to 23, but that's whatever. I It's frustrating looking back at drafts. But on that draft, in the 2018, the Jets were interested in three of the top quarterbacks, it seemed. Because it looked like, at the time, right before the draft, like, let's say two weeks before the draft, it looked like Josh Allen was going to Cleveland. It was Josh Allen, and then talks between Mayfield, Rosen, and Darnold, and then whoever else was left. Because the Cardinals and Bills were going to take a quarterback. That was, that was pretty much guaranteed at the time. We didn't know where they were going to be picking them, but it was pretty much guaranteed. So Josh Allen goes number one to Seattle. Giants still take Barkley. And then you have the Jets with the conundrum at all of the top quarterbacks that they had on their board. They're available. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Josh Rosen. I think in this world, they go with, because they liked, it looked like Mayfield and Darnold are number one and two. Because the Bills, number two, was Sam Darnold, from what I've read. Sam Darnold was the Bills' number two option. But I think they also like Baker Mayfield. But I, no, Baker Mayfield was talking to the Chargers about the, not even looking at the playbook. But let's say the Jets still take Darnold. And the Browns take Denzel Ward still. So the Bills trade up to number seven. If the Browns take Bradley Chubb, like they probably should have, and I'm not saying anything bad about Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward's had a very good career, and that division had some very good wide receivers at the time. So the pick, though it might seem a little bit high for Ward, did make sense looking at the rest of the division. So now you still have the Bills trading up, number seven, this time getting Baker Mayfield. So the only thing that changes is Baker Mayfield goes to Seattle, and or uh, Josh Josh Allen goes to Seattle, Baker Mayfield goes to Buffalo. Now, if we want to make this even crazier, Baker goes to New York, Josh, Sam Darnold goes number five to the Bills because the Bills are going to need to trade up because Josh Sam Darnold was the number one or two option behind either behind or above Josh Allen on a lot of teams' boards, just for fun. And I had the Bills, I think, in my last mock draft, trading up to number five to get Sam Darnold. So, I mean, it's the draft. I've, we've talked about this before. Is not an exact science. Now, looking at it in hindsight, well, actually, even at the time, if that trade was actually happening, there is no reason the Browns should not have accepted that trade. A winner, a leader. He's born in Ohio. He would fit Cleveland very, very well. He fits Seattle even. Per- he's perfect for Seattle. But he would have been nice in Cleveland as well. You get a guy that has never had a losing season in his entire NFL career, has won a Super Bowl, and you turn down the offer to draft Baker Mayfield. And looking at it, like his rookie year looked solid. He broke Russell Wilson's rookie passing touchdown record, beat Manning and Russell Wilson for the rookie passing touchdown record. 27 touchdowns his rookie year. So you're like, man, this guy actually has the potential. Maybe we made the right decision here, getting Mayfield. And then the next year, he throws 21 into 22 interceptions. 22 touchdowns, 21 interceptions, or something like that. Then you're looking, oh, man, maybe this wasn't the best idea. As Russell Wilson uh, is the second option for the MVP last season and was running away with the MVP race until Lamar Jackson beat Russell Wilson in Seattle last season. So now you're looking at it like, man, we really declined that trade. Hugh Jackson, one of the most, one of the smartest head coaches in NFL history, said he was unaware of the trade. So it could just be a big media stunt 
just randomly making up a rumor just to make fun of the Browns like everybody likes to do. Browns and Bears are a big punching bag for national media to make fun of. Bears have been made fun of at nauseum as of late because of Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. And then Double Doink was on ESPN the other day. Like, the Bears get made fun of relentlessly all the time. And same with the Browns. And that sparked up another debate again. Why would the Browns turn that trade down? So that also that got me thinking, if that was actually a thing, that was one of the things I think was the top five dumbest decisions the Cleveland Browns have ever made. And that's what sparked me to do a list of the top five dumbest things the Cleveland Browns have ever done since returning to Cleveland in 1999. Now, there's a few of them on this list, mostly quarterback dominated, obviously, because the Browns have been the most quarterback stricken team in NFL history, where they've never seemed to get a quarterback right in their entire history until his rookie year looked like Baker Mayfield. And then uh, his next year, uh, I've not written off Baker Mayfield. I have never written him off. I'm not going to write him off. There are people that think he sucks because we're going off regency. We're very impressionable people when things happen right now. The, 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 the thing that happens next is what we will judge him on, not what they've done in the past. Baker Mayfield came second in the rookie of the year voting his rookie year. Had a very down year next year. People look at the interceptions. Look at the Browns underachieving, winning six games last year. And blame that all on Baker Mayfield. And now Baker Mayfield sucks after one bad year. I don't think he's the best quarterback in that class anymore. Because after his rookie year, it sure looked like he was the best one in the class because he came second rookie of the year. Now, I think he's at fourth. Pushing third with Sam Darnold at third. Out of the first rounders, this is including everybody. But even if so, you'd still probably say he's the fourth or third best quarterback in this class. Lamar's easily the best. Josh is easily the second best. And then you got a nice little drop off between Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and another drop off to Josh Rosen. I'm not going to say Baker Mayfield sucks. There's a lot of people that say that. A lot of people say, I had him ranked second on their division, in their division for quarterbacks. One, because Joe Burrow has not played a single snap in the NFL. And two, we don't know how Big Ben's going to come back from his elbow injury. I'm not worried about him being physically fit going into the season. You see pictures of Big Ben on Facebook, and or not Facebook, Google Images, with all like the ice packs around his knees, shoulders, elbow, everywhere. He's not the, the, he's not the picture of physical fitness that you think of when you think of an NFL football player or pro football player. It's not really what you think of. You think of an average guy that just stumbled onto a football field and could throw a football 80 yards. That's Big Ben. That's pretty much Big Ben. He doesn't really look like he cares. Grows a massive beard. Is fat. If you watch the videos of him at practice with Bruce Gradkowski trying to dodge all the things, he just hits them out of the air. He runs into them because he just doesn't care. What's Bruce Gradkowski going to do? Take my spot? Yeah, right. So I had him ranked third, which is not anything. If we're going off careers, Big Ben's obviously the best because he's won two Super Bowls, so he has to be... You could argue Lamarck's. He won an MVP, but he's only played the league for two years. So, But as of right now, Lamar Jackson's number one easily, and then Baker Mayfield, Ben, Joe Burrow. Don't write Baker Mayfield off yet. That's all I'm saying. Their O-line's vastly improved from last year. Got Jack Conklin, Jedrick Wills, new head coach, new coaching staff in general. Hopefully, 
with the idea of let's run the football. Kevin Stefanski was the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings who realized, wait a minute, we got a very talented running back in Dalvin Cook. Let's actually use him. So Dalvin Cook was the main point of their offense. The Vikings and Browns are very similar teams. Got one of the best running backs in the NFL, Vikings Cook, Browns Chubb. Two very talented wide receivers. Last year for the Vikings, Thielen Diggs, Browns Beckham and Landry. Now it's Thielen and Jordan Jeff- Justin Jefferson. So they're very similar. Stefanski was very good at giving Dalvin Cook the ball. I think they need to do the same thing with Nick Chubb. And I think Baker Mayfield, a lot of pressure will be taken off Baker Mayfield if he doesn't need to drop, do seven-step drops, which is not what he does. He's not a seven-step drop quarterback. He's not a five-step drop quarterback. Run the ball and throw the ball when needed, but be a run-first team. I think you guys can do that because you have a very talented running back in Nicholas Chubb. So I've I've lollygagged on this enough. So let's go over the top five dumbest things the Cleveland Browns have ever done. Number five... I'm going to put the Russell Wilson trade just because I don't know if it's real. Rumors are it was real, but Hugh Jackson didn't know it was real, which doesn't really surprise me that he wouldn't know it's real. He's not the smartest person in the world. Uh, Russell Wilson has never lost, has never had a losing season in his full career. He's had some bad teams up in Seattle ever since they lost Super Bowl to New England. He's a Super Bowl champ, and he single-handedly kept the Seahawks relevant. And he's never missed a game. Ever since he came in the league, he has not missed a game. He started all 16 games every year of his NFL career. He's not hurt. He hasn't turned the ball over. He thinks he has less than he has less than 70 interceptions. He's a winner. He's a leader. He's played in cold weather. He's played in loud stadiums. He's won a Super Bowl. He's worked with mediocre to underachieving talent. He's worked with terrible offensive lines before. As he still, he's done his entire career in Seattle. Who gave careers to, uh, what's his name, Fetty? I Fetty, T- the tackle from Texas A&M. I can't remember his name. A DJ Fluker, like J.R. Sweezy was a former defensive tackle, and you put him at lineman. Like he's worked with some bad offensive linemen in his time in Seattle. He would have fit in perfectly with Cleveland, and he would have. Six, he would have made Cleveland so much better than what they are. He's a magician. You look at Baker Mayfield. You drafted a shorter quarterback that was coming out of college that was accurate. That didn't turn the ball over too much in college. That one. He was a less mobile version of Russell Wilson. Which you have to be somewhat mobile if you want to survive in that offensive line behind Cleveland. Russell Wilson is the number two or three quarterback in the NFL right now. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. I get you might want to go off of, let's get potential, because Russell Wilson might not have as much potential as the next guy because he's been in the league for X amount of years. But if a trade comes to you like that, and they are throwing Russell Wilson, Super Bowl champion, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, never been hurt, please, with some of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Makes plays happen when they don't happen. Never had a losing season in his entire NFL career. Does not turn the ball over. Plays in cold weather. Let's turn it down to draft a guy that some people wouldn't even draft in Baker Mayfield. 
Very good quarterback, Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma. Won the Heisman, for Christ's sake. Like, can't really argue with that, with Baker Mayfield's resume in college. It was just the -the off-the-field stuff that you wouldn't get with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's one of the most professional guys in the league right now. He has done so much for the Seattle community and I think would have done the same thing for Cleveland. But that's why it's number five, because I don't know if it was real. If it was real, then this was go number one. But the fact that I don't know if this is real or if it just popped out of someone's a-hole, that it's number five. Because the Browns have done a lot of dumb things since returning to Cleveland once they left Baltimore, once they left for Baltimore. Done a lot of bad things. And there's a real lot of really bad things that actually happened, that actually took place, that this one just doesn't have. Because we don't, again, we don't know if this is real. It could very well be real. Probably was real. But there's no confirmation that it happened or that it is happening. And, of course, the Browns are going to deny, deny, deny because they don't want to look like more idiots than what they are. But, yeah, that would have been a great move for the Cleveland Browns. And it's number five because out of all the other things they've done, you have to look at it in hindsight. Like, when they drafted Tim Couch, they should have drafted Donovan McNabb. Don McNabb went number two to Philadelphia, went on to a Super Bowl, got his number retired, had great success in Philadelphia. Well, you guys drafted Tim Couch, who was injury prone and didn't have any success in Cleveland. I think he got him to a playoff game. That was it. But out of college, Tim Couch was the much better quarterback. Tim Couch passed for 40-something touchdowns. Tim Couch was a Heisman finalist. Don McNabb was a first-team All-Big East contender three years in a row. But he threw 20 less touchdowns than Tim Couch coming out of college. And Tim Couch was coming from the SEC. Donovan McNabb was coming from the Big East. Which, the Big East and SEC, one's not a conference in football anymore, and the other one's the top conference in college football. I mean, so that's one you could easily look at and go, man, they should have drafted Donovan McNabb. They didn't. Because even looking at it, it's like, well, this guy was way better. Like, if you're analyzing him as prospects and not what they did in the pros, this guy was a way better college prospect than Donovan McNabb. Yes, he had better success in Philadelphia. Yes, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks in Philadelphia Eagles history. Maybe the best one. You might get some throws in there for Randall Cunningham, Ron Jaworski, Carson Wentz for the younger generation. So you can't really throw that one in there. So I didn't throw that one in here. But number four, uh, keeping Hugh Jackson for more than a season his first season he went one in 15 beating the chargers in like week 16 the next year he went oh and 16 what coach keeps a job after lo- winning one game in two years let alone winning one game in a season who keeps their job after that that shows the incompetence of the cleveland browns organization how does he get a job how does hugh jackson get a job and how like he gets a job not only gets a job which he shouldn't have gotten in the first place he's not a head coach he's had one year of head coaching the like five years before that was in Oakland where they went eight and eight he's not a good head coach he's not a good he's not really good anything in the NFL won one game in two years you bring him back for a third year and now we're gonna now we're going to fire you. What? Where's the logic in that? 
you went 115, 0-16. You know what? Let's bring you back the next year. Wins two games <laughs> the next year. In grand total at in Cleveland, he went 336-1. He had the second ever 0-16 season in NFL history and was allowed to come back as the head coach. And I'm going to couple this with number four, is replacing Hugh Jackson with Freddie Kitchens, who Colin Coward said is no better than an Applebee's sir, bartender. Which is mean and hurtful, but funny. There's no way he should have been a head coach in the NFL. I don't even know. What is he, what's his job now? I got to look this up. What's Freddie Kitchens doing right now? Freddie Kitchens from Alabama. What is he doing right now? He's the tight ends coach for the New York Giants. What person goes from head coach to tight ends coach? Nobody. This is the most out-of-your-depth coaching situation I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've seen the coaches that Bills, the Bills have had. And that one was the worst coaching job, worst coaching hire I've ever seen in my entire life. You follow up Hugh Jackson won three games in three years. Very good. It was a win a season. That's what you like to see. And hire a guy that's never been a head coach before. It was way out of his depth. Which could be a sign on Baker Mayfield because he was the reason that Freddie Kitchen was hired in the first place as the head coach. So how well they got along. The coach, we can just go through the entire coaching tree of the new Cleveland Browns and just make fun of it. Because it's stupid how bad their coaching hires have been. Mike Pettin was hired from the Bills to be the head coach. Now he's a D coordinator for the Packers. And his run defense has always been one of the worst in the league. Like, you just look at all of the coaches the Browns have had. It's just scary how bad they've been. And Hugh Jackson and Freddie Kitchens are definitely last and second to last on the list. I don't know where you would put them because Hugh Jackson went 0-16. Again, the second ever 0-16 record in NFL history. But would you – you you have it's, – it's a tough choice. You got good options there between – Freddie Kitchens and Hugh Jackson on who the worst head coach in Cleveland Browns history is. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. And speaking on Hugh Jackson, during that 0-16 season, the starting quarterback was Deshaun Kaiser. Okay? Now, the, the Chicago Bears get made fun of this all the time for not drafting Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. This one doesn't get talked about enough, I don't feel like. The Cleveland Browns had the 12th pick in the draft. Okay, 12th pick. It's a good pick. The 12th pick resulted in Deshaun Watson. You know why the Browns didn't pick Deshaun Watson? Because they traded back with the Houston Texans to 25, just like Drew Real Peppers. They didn't take Deshaun Watson. No, 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 no. We're going to trade back, select Drew Real Peppers, and then in the second round, we're going to get our quarterback of the future in Deshaun Kaiser. So the Bears get made fun of all the time for drafting Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. This one should get talked about way more than what it does. I never see this on the news anywhere. When I was writing this thing up, I went through some of the draft history. Looked at, I was just going to go drafting to Sean Kaiser. And then I looked at, they had the Texans pick. That made it even funnier. Like they traded, <laughs> they traded back with Houston to take for them to take to Sean Watson. Cleveland got 
next year's first round pick. Awesome for Cleveland. I don't even know who that turned out to be. I haven't checked. Wait, was that that was Denzel Ward? So you got Denzel Ward, Jabril Peppers, and Deshaun Kaiser. Two of those three aren't even on the team anymore. Jabril Peppers is in New York with the Giants, and Deshaun Kaiser's not even on a team. He's been on three teams in three years in the NFL. Shows how great Deshaun Kaiser is. Browns, Packers, Raiders, out. He got beat up by Nathan Peterman in Oakland. Now Vegas. So in his time as Cleveland quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser almost broke Peyton Manning's rookie rec- interception record. 22 interceptions this season. He said he had Tom Brady's brain and Cam Newton's body, which I... I don't even know how to put I don't even know how to respond to that. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. And then uh, his own head coach at Notre Dame said he wasn't ready to be an NFL quarterback. And we're gonna throw him in day one. Mahomes sat for an entire year. Played one game his rookie year. Deshaun Watson didn't start his season. He sat behind Tom Savage. 21 Tom Savage. Trubisky didn't start his career in Chicago, sat behind Mike Glennon. But we're gonna throw in Deshaun Kaiser, who his own head coach at college. Said he wasn't ready to play in the NFL. And two. You didn't draft Deshaun Watson. He almost broke Peyton Manning's interception record. He was the starting quarterback every game in the 0-16 season for the Cleveland Browns. Every game. Started all 16 games for the Cleveland Browns. Why is that not getting talked about more? The Bears get made fun of all the time for not drafting Mahomes or Watson. The Browns literally traded back and took Deshaun Kaiser in the second round instead of taking Deshaun Watson at 12. Like, you can't make you can't make that stuff up. You can't make that stuff up. How do you pass on Deshaun? Let alone, forget the fact that you passed on trading for Russell Wilson. You passed on Deshaun Watson at number 12. He was right there. You needed a quarterback. You drafted Deshaun, you drafted Miles Garrett number one. Good pick. Great pick. A lot of people are scared you're going to take Trubisky number one. And then you trade back out of the, you trade back to 25 with Houston. They take Watson and you settle for Deshaun Kaiser, who is out of the league right now. Tom Brady's brain in Cam Newton's body. He was a holder (laughs) before their starter got hurt. He wasn't the court. He was their holder. (laughs) Who was their court? He went to, he went to Florida State. It wasn't Everett Golson. What was the other guy's name? No, wait, he didn't go to Florida State. He, Everett Golson went to Florida State. Who? He go to UCF? Oh, what was his name? I can't remember his name, but he transferred. It, co- even his head coach said he wasn't ready. And we're going to throw him in day one. And then he goes 0-16 and throws 22 interceptions. Like, And Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback in the NFL. So, I mean, we're just... It's crazy. It's crazy. That needs to get talked about more. Number two... Drafting a 28-year-old quarterback in the first round. Oldest quarterback ever selected in the first round. Or maybe oldest player ever selected in the first round. Brandon Whedon from Oklahoma State. This draft saw the Browns take Trent Richardson at number three. And Brandon Whedon at number 20. What what pick was he at? Was he 28? He was in the 20s. I don't remember what pick he was at. 28 years old. Chris Winkie from Florida State. Went drafted in the fourth round by the Carolina Panthers. He was like 28, 29 years old. He at least won a Heisman. But he was 29 years old, so they were like, 
No, we're gonna we're not taking you with a first round pick. That's stupid. And the Browns were like, nah, who cares how old he is? Let's take him right here in the first round. Why would you draft a 28-year-old quarterback? Doesn't make any sense. Well, how old is Brandon Whedon right now? Just to just to check. I gotta Google how much how old Brandon Whedon is because he might be as old as a guy I got in my head. He's 36 years old. You know who's 36 years old? <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is 36 years old. You drafted... Aaron, Aaron Rodgers drafted seven years before Brandon Whedon was. Brandon Whedon is as old as Aaron Rodgers. Let's see. Wait, is he actually older than Aaron Rodgers? Let's check. Because I think they're both 36. December 2nd, 1983. He's older than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> he was older than Aaron Rodgers, and you drafted him in the first round. Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? That's not smart at all. He started 15 games as rookie year, threw 17 interceptions, and then got tra- got put to Dallas the year after, or two years after. 14 touchdowns, 17 picks. You drafted a 28-year-old quarterback. He is older than Aaron Rodgers. And he's played seven less years. 22nd overall pick in 2012. Good Lord. What other quarterbacks were taken after him? I just got to see this because I haven't... Like, it's just so you could see what quarterbacks you could draft. Because I knew this one, but I kind of forgot about it until right now. Russell Wilson was available in that draft. So this just goes back to the Russell Wilson situation of not accepting the trade for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was available in that draft. He also had Nick Foles, who has won a Super Bowl. And he also had Kirk Cousins, who has a monster contract and is one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in the NFL. Let's draft Brandon Whedon instead. The same would be said for you, Denver. You lucked out by getting Peyton Manning in free agency because you drafted Brock Osweiler. You drafted Brandon Whedon over Russell Wilson, Super Bowl, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, Nick Foles, who has won a Super Bowl, and Kirk Cousins, who's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, or most underappreciated quarterbacks in the NFL. Those are three quarterbacks you could have had, and you drafted Brandon Whedon. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. The Russell Wilson thing's even funnier since they offered him in a trade and they turned it down. They didn't even want him in 2012. What makes you think they're going to want him in 2018 after he's proven himself in the NFL as one of the top quarterbacks in the league? It's stupid. It's stupid. Oldest quarterback ever taken in the first round and could have gotten Russell Wilson in that draft. The Browns and Russell Wilson should be connected more than what they already are. It's kind of funny they're not connected as much. And number one, this is my favorite memory for the Cleveland Browns, is drafting Johnny Manziel. It's not the fact that they drafted Johnny Manziel. It's the fact that they spent $100,000 on a study to see who the best quarterback in the draft was. And you know what the study said? The study said Teddy Bridgewater. You know what Cleveland Browns are going to do? Let's draft Johnny Manziel instead. We spent all this money on who the best quarterback in the draft was, and it was Teddy Bridgewater. We're going to draft Manziel. The funny part about that is not only the fact that Johnny Manziel had red flags popping up out of his a-hole, not the fact that they didn't take Teddy Bridgewater, and in fact, said took Johnny Manziel over him, 
It's the fact that the reason they didn't draft Teddy Bridgewater is because the, what did they say? What's the quote? The handshake with Teddy Bridgewater rubbed Jimmy Haslam, the owner, the wrong way. What? You're judging people off handshakes? You you shouldn't be judging people off handshakes when you're taking a quarterback in the NFL. Because looking at the quarterbacks you passed on, Brandon Whedon probably gave you the best hand, best gosh darn handshake of all time. You passed on two Super Bowl winners and a very good quarterback in the NFL, Kirk Cousins. You passed on three. So don't go off of, let's go off the handshake thing. Because if Brandon Weedy gave you a great handshake, if Tim Couch gave you a great handshake, if Deshaun Kaiser gave you a great handshake, I don't really want to know what your uh, your judgment of a handshake really means there, Jimmy. I don't know what's worse, number one or number two. Because number one, with the Johnny Manziel thing, you spent six figures on a study and you ignored the study and went with Johnny Manziel instead. Why? I get the hype. He's one first freshman ever win a Heisman. He had a lot of off the field issues though. So that's a huge red flag there. Very mobile, very electrifying on the football field. Had a lot of questionable character issues. So Teddy Bridgewater, who's one of the nicest guys as it seems in the NFL, didn't give you a good handshake. Johnny Manziel, that that's terrible reading by Jimmy there. Handshakes. I'm not going to ignore Johnny Manziel's off-the-field issues, on-the-field issues as well, and go off his handshake. Johnny, you are a great. your handshake was very good. So you are now my new starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Teddy, your handshake was questionable. It rubbed me the wrong way. Probably because he didn't have his gloves on. Probably didn't know how to shake a hand without gloves on. So stupid. The Browns, once since they've come back to Cleveland, have been a joke in the NFL. Everything they touch turns to garbage. Literally. Everything they think is good is bad. Every decision they make is bad. They have not drafted a cable quarterback in their entire history. And it's too early to tell if Baker Mayfield is or not because he had a really good rookie year. He did not have a very good second year. So it's too early to tell if he's a cable starting quarterback or not. The quarterbacks they've passed on and taken instead. Brandon Whedon, they passed on Russell Wilson, Nick Foles, Kirk Cousins. Look more so at Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson. Nick Foles is more of a backup guy, but whatever. Still better than Brandon Whedon. He's still in the league. You didn't trade trade for Russell Wilson when they gave you another opportunity to take Russell Wilson. You denied it. Instead, taking Baker Mayfield. We'll see if that one pans out for you, because as of right now, it does not look like that, because Russell Wilson... Has never had a losing season in his career. You guys have had two with Baker as a starter, and he threw 21 interceptions last year. I think Russell Wilson, in total, has thrown 68 interceptions. Actually, I, I'm right on the page right now. I can just scroll down. What am I doing? He has thrown... Scroll down a little bit farther. Yeah, 68 interceptions. In his first two years in the league, he threw, 11, he threw what, 19 interceptions. First two years in the league, threw 19 interceptions. And Baker threw that last year, plus two. Yeah, I don't. Uh, the quarterback evaluation process by the Cleveland Browns is the worst in NFL history. I don't care. It is atrocious. It's embarrassing. Like, 
Brandon Whedon's 28 years old. That's all you need to look at. 28. He's, just, he's older than Aaron Rodgers, who has played in the league for seven years prior to this draft. Maybe that was their thing. Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl two years ago. Let's uh let's take <laughs> let's take Brandon Weedham, who probably he's as old as Rodgers. He's already as good as Aaron Rodgers. That's probably that was honestly their thinking, I would guess. But you take you take Brandon Weedon, passing Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, you pat draft Johnny Mans after a hundred thousand dollar study said draft Teddy Bridgewater just because his handshake rubbed you the wrong way. But we're not gonna look at anything else Johnny Manziel did. His handshake was fine. You passed on Deshaun. Well, you literally traded out of the position where Deshaun Watson was at. To draft Deshaun Kaiser in the second round. Great evaluation there. Didn't trade for Russ Willie. And go on and on. I keep looking at all the quarterbacks they've had. Jeff Garcia was a very good quarterback in San Francisco. He sucked in Cleveland. Like, Cleveland just turns all quarterbacks to garbage. And they have to get a guy right every once in a while. They have to. They have to get a guy right once. Hopefully, for Browns fans' sake... It's Baker Mayfield. Hopefully, it's Baker Mayfield. I don't know why you would pass on Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson just couldn't get past his height. Really. He was a baller in college. Threw 33 touchdowns, four interceptions in the Big Ten his last year of college. Won the Rose Bowl. 338 rushing yards, six touchdowns. Like, he was a beast. Set the single-season FBS record for passing efficiency, 191.8. Like, you would think just because of his... If he was drafted now, he'd be the number one overall pick. It's obvious because that's that's been bucked thanks to Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Quarterbacks under six foot tall getting drafted in the first number one overall pick. But man, taking Brandon Whedon over him. And you can look, hindsight works in this situation because they literally had another opportunity to take Russell Wilson. Brandon Whedon, unlike if you're looking at Deshaun Watson, Trubisky, and all that stuff, Trubisky, the thing you could go with Trubisky, he was underdeveloped, thrusted into the starting role, and Deshaun Watson was injury prone uh, coming out of college. He tore his ACL, something that scared some teams off, which is why he's the third quarterback taken in that first round. Brandon Whedon was 28. Russell Wilson didn't have any injury history, played in a better conference, and was younger. <laughs> See, that's where you can look at that and go, yeah, they should have drafted Russell Wilson. Should have drafted Kirk Cousins, for crying out loud. Man, I don't get it. The Browns are an enigma. An enigma. A very weird franchise that will never be replicated in sports ever again. So here's my top five dumbest things the Browns have ever done. Number one, you know what? We're should I change it? Well, we're one A one B. Draft Johnny Manziel because you spent a hundred thousand dollars on a study that told you Teddy Bridgewater was the guy you should draft. You ignored that. Drafted Manziel. Number one B. Drafting a twenty eight year old Brandon Whedon and passed on the likes of Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Nick Foles. Russell Wilson should have been a first round pick if he was over six foot. No doubt in my mind, he's a first round pick. Number three, trading back with Houston, who ended up taking Deshaun Watson, to take Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser went on to almost break Peyton Manning's rookie interception record with 22, led the Browns to an 0-16 season, the second ever 0-16 season in NFL history, and is now out of the league. 
whereas Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback in the NFL. Number four, keeping Hugh Jackson for longer than a season, then replacing him with Freddie Kitchens. Dumb decision. Hugh Jackson won three games in three years. Freddie Kitchens was so far out of his depth as a head coach of the Cleveland Browns. It's ridiculous how far out of his depth he was. You can't replace an incompetent coach with another incompetent coach because that just leads to bad stuff. And then number five, just because we don't know if this was real or not, and it could have just popped up randomly, Russell Wilson getting traded to the Cleveland Browns and the Browns declining it and drafting Baker Mayfield. Again, we don't know if that actually happened. We're just, we don't know. So we're going off of, it didn't, or it's just a rumor, but even if, if it did, then... Yeah, then it's really, 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 really bad. It's very bad. Terrible. Borderline, it's not borderline. It is very, very stupid. (laughs) Very stupid. The Seattle Seahawks in the 2012 draft, I was just reading through their draft, got Bruce Urban, Bobby Wagner, and Russell Wilson in the first three rounds. That is what we call beautiful drafting. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful drafting. Can't get much better than that, really. It's very hard to do that. You got the aforementioned J.R. Sweezy in the seventh round as well. So, yeah, Cleveland Browns, uh, the factory of sadness, as one fan called it. An enigma across all NFL teams. That's all I've got for you today on this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you enjoyed the show. Reminder, if you listen this far into the show, text me, uh, what was it sprite cranberry and i will know you listen this far on the show that's all i've got for you today so i hope you enjoy your weekend enjoy your friday enjoy your life enjoy your month have fun in summer school if you're doing that get ready for the fall even though it's only may and that's what i will sign off with for today hope you enjoyed the show i will see you on monday peace